G'day sports fans, welcome to Ruin Hammer, Season 2, Episode 51. Thank you to all you guys who are joining us across Facebook, YouTube and uh, podcasts and everything. Really appreciate your support as always, thanks for joining us. A special shout out to our Patreon members as well. Uh, your wonderful support makes it possible to bring us to bring for us to bring you the show through this format through restream and uh, we always appreciate your support and contribution uh very much hammer how are you mate i'm good mate uh good evening uh yeah i, I just want to echo those thoughts mate uh those words uh, in regards to our wonderful patreon subscribers mm. uh their support does allow us to to do what we do here every week uh which is try and bring the best warriors related content on all of social media platforms absolutely um but yeah mate i'm doing well uh, just a big shout out to my my housemate uh the great juan carlos yes. Contreras. um he's in hospital at the moment he's uh had a bit of uh some breathing trouble the other night and uh went to hospital yesterday and they found that he's he's got uh some problems with his his uh, lungs and a bit of a weak heart so he's having some more tests done and um yeah he's in the best place possible if you're going to be crook and that's at hospital so uh thanks to all the doctors and nurses that are looking after him but a massive shout out to him and um thinking of your yeah. buddy and um looking forward to when you get home yeah yeah mate thoughts and prayers to you as well and um yeah you're a legend of a bloke and uh yeah speedy recovery yeah well absolutely Made another one of those shows that we absolutely love, and that's chatting uh, with one of our former legends. Yeah, mate, um, it was a good get this one. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot. I mean, as we said last week, there's you know 265 people that have, have played for our club, um, and you know there's 263 that we would be able to get on here. Unfortunately, we have had uh, two. Yeah. Uh, uh, players from our club passed away but um yeah this one uh was one that uh we kind of got reminded of when in our chat with uh brent tate um yep. yeah and uh reached out to him and he was keen to come on so why don't you add him to the chat mate um tonight's we'll guest played in. three seasons of the warriors yeah including uh successful 2007 and 2008 seasons where the club returned to the finals uh he's racked up 68 performances uh of the club scoring 15 tries playing in the halves uh please welcome warrior 127 grant Ravelli. hey grant how are you buddy yeah good boys how are you doing really well thanks yeah awesome um yeah thanks yeah. thanks again thanks heaps for joining us we always love to have a chat to our former legend so it's uh yeah it's our pleasure to have you on um we'll start with we start with all of our guests and we'll take you all the way back to the start um, can you tell us where you grew up and uh, who was your junior club? Yeah, I grew up in North Queensland on a on a cane farm in Walkerston. So brought up on a cane farm, the family cane farm, which we end up we end up selling. Um, so I grew up there and played for the the Western Suburbs Tigers as a junior from under eight. So I wasn't allowed to play from under sevens because I was too small. Mum didn't let me until my younger brother was was able to play. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a bit of a rocky start there. So, yeah, I was I was kind of a little skinny kid, like really little and skinny. So, um, yeah, probably one of the stories of, yeah, don't tell too many people, but there you go, telling people now that <laughs> that mum didn't let me play until my younger brother, who's a lot bigger than me, was was uh, was able to play. So, yeah, started at West and then 
um, we moved off the farm and, and moved into town, into Mackay, to um, to go to school there. And we and I played at South Sharks for the remainder of my junior career. And then, um, yeah, moved up to the Cowboys, to Townsville. And then, you know, so the journey sort of began from there. Yeah, um, you came through that Cowboys system uh, and you end up getting recruited by the um, Sydney Roosters. How did that all come about? Yeah, it was... At the Kinder Cowboys system at that time, there was a lot of lot of us North Queensland kids that was sort of coming through. We went through the the old Intertech pivot sort of program. Um, it was really popular back in the day. We, you know, we spent a whole heap of time on buses on the way from Mackay to Townsville, and it was a really good program and and developed a lot of really good kids through that time. Um, it was a game on classic game on the other day that one of the boys sent me a message on from the Cowboys who were playing Queensland Cup and there was nine of us that were under under 19 that were playing against the North Devils and we ended up winning that winning that game. So, yeah, really good program back in those days with the Cowboys. A lot of us were sort of coming through from Mackay, Townsville and, and Cairns during that period. And um, at school, I was actually approached by the Roosters to go down there and, and, and also the Melbourne Storm and the Cowboys. So that was sort of the top three for me. And I was from North Queensland, you know, a, a, a devout Cowboys fan at that stage, you know, being from Mackay, um, the, the Cowboys were up the road. So I actually chose to go to the Cowboys over the, over the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters at that time. But had some really strong relationships, stayed in touch with, with Arthur Beats and Artie and my old man become really good mates and we had a good relationship there. And I went down to the Roosters and met all the staff at that time, Graham Murray and all those types of people. So um, I was lucky enough to play grade football or reserve grade football at a young age at 17 at the Cowboys. And um, for whatever reason, I think at that time, there was a number of us younger guys that they were talking about not re-signing and I was one of them and um, they offered me a deal to stay but the Roosters were, were always really close and I guess they were at me that entire time to, to come down there and I was probably a little bit more mature at that stage. I was 18 and turning 19, I think 18 and turning 19. It just made sense for me to go down to the Roosters and it was a great decision in the end. Mm. Yeah, mate. Well, we're moving from uh, laid-back North Queensland to the hustle and bustle of Sydney. Uh, what were your first impressions of becoming a new Sydney resident? Oh, boys, they thought I was talking this other language. <laughs> You're drawing yeah. it out too much. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think, uh, yeah, I think I've maybe, maybe lost the North Queensland draw a touch, but... Yeah, back in those days, they thought I was from another country, really. So, you know, you have the conversation, oh, where are you from, Mackay? Oh, yeah, that's near Brisbane. No, mate, that's 10 hours, 10 hours from Brisbane, 10, 10 hours north from Brisbane. Oh, yeah, right. How big is the country that we live in? Like, these are people that are from from New South Wales. It probably explains a couple of things, Hammer, you know. Um, hey, I think so, mate. Hey. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what it was like. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a steep learning curve from from a you know young kid from North Queensland. I think I'd been to Sydney twice. I went for an under 16s grand final tour, and the other time was to go down and, and visit the Roosters and the club um, when I was in year 12. So yeah, I was pretty pretty green at that stage. And the other interesting part was it kept the Roosters just won the won the premiership versus the Warriors actually in that 2002 grand yeah. final i was literally there four weeks afterwards and the boys were still in party mode heavy party mode um shannon haggerty 
good good bloke from Mackay. Mm. Went to school where I went to school as um, you know a couple of years older than me, but he was charged with I guess looking after the, the young kid from the north and pretty much picked me up and picked me up from Owen Cunningham's house. Owen's a, a family friend of ours. He played at, at Manly for years, so I was sort of yeah. um, crashed over there when I first arrived. And um, yeah, Heggs picked me up and. I jumped in the car and I think I think he might have been playing Origin that year or something. Though they just won the grand yeah. finals. Like, right, mate, your shout for a carton. And I'm thinking, <laughs> here's this bloke that's playing first grade, just won the comp, and he's getting me to shout him a carton. What's going on here? Uh, welcome to uh, Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to Sydney. And yeah, the first the first couple of weeks it was uh, baptism baptism of fire to be able to keep up with them blokes. You know, they were still partying from the grand final, and I was just a young kid from. Yeah, like I said, North Queensland, it was a, an eye-opener, let's just say that. Oh, still painful memories for us, though. <laughs> 2002. <Yeah. laughs> um, at, the, at the time of your recruitment, though, the Roosters are one of the success stories. Grand final appearances, they played in 2000 and, and as you said, 2002. Uh, but it must have been exciting for you to end up at the club at that time of success. Yeah, it was. It was So we went – they went uh, 2002, 2003, 2004 um, – Grand finals, so. We grand went finals, 2005 yeah. grand finals, yeah. So I played in the reserve grade grand final in 2004 and 2005. Um, the NRL t- team didn't make it in 05, but yeah, like you say, really solid period of success. And geez, there's some great players at the club. And um, Ricky Stewart was a great coach. Ricky Stewart was I- exceptional for me. Probably transfer transformed me into an actual halfback. You know, I had some mm. some some raw talent i worked my ass off um but i didn't there's a difference between when you're coming through as a young kid and then actually getting in getting in a team in a reserve grade team as an 18 year old and trying to tell blokes that that play first grade that drop down how you know what they've got to do that that's a that's a really big step up and um you know if i didn't have the mentoring and coaching of a ricky stewart i I don't think i would have progressed in my career that that's the honest truth ricky was great for me and really hands-on so ivan ivan cleary was our coach so ivan came over uh, directly after losing the comp um straight into to coaching the reserve grade team which i was a part of and ivan was great as well but in terms of that real halfback mentoring and yeah. and um coaching and on the job ricky was really hands-on with with a lot of the young kids at the club at the time i'm really thankful for that yeah it must make it um you know an actual halfback uh, coaching you as a halfback must make it a lot easier, I guess. Um, what a, what a mentor! Know, and, and he was yeah. one of the best, you know. Ricky, mm. you know, he played. He played. I'm pretty sure he played for the Wallabies too, didn't he? he Wallabies, kangaroos. Yeah, did. yeah. 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 yeah, it was it. was a great time. It's one of them. So people ask me about what it was like the culture of the club, and it was just like being back back home in Mackay, just at the senior club, like. The NRL players are really engaged with with all the younger grades. You know, we hung out together, we trained together as much as possible. Yeah, there was full time players in that as well. But Ricky really tried to create that that club feel, and and honestly, it did feel like I was back home in Mackay. He made all the NRL players come and watch the SG ball and the jersey flag, and then then the reserve grade because back in those days we played all all at the same time. And yep. so it was just a really good club feel, and oh yeah, it was. Yeah, no secret to the success around the culture of the club at that time. Ricky put a lot of time into it. Yeah. Mate, 2003, you're playing New South Wales Premier League, as it was called back then, uh, with the Roosters. And at the end of that year, you get selected at halfback for Italy in a test against Greece. 
Um, that must have been a proud moment representing that side of your culture and heritage. Yeah, absolutely, Hammer. That that was it. Was it was one of those things? Probably un, un wasn't planned or um, wasn't thinking about that at the time. But they'd put a lot of effort in. Um, Dave Riolo and, and a couple of the guys had put a lot of effort in um, pre, for previous years to that, trying to get a squad together and trying to build that that um, the Italian Rugby League up with from a local perspective over there and also from Sydney and. You know, lucky for me, I was in Sydney at that time and there was a couple of guys at the Roosters that, that qualified and had the heritage and it was a great honour. You know, I got to play with Greg Florimo. He's an absolute legend of the game. Yeah. I think, you know, him and I sort of lined up in the halves or he might have been locker or something for the game. And, you know, that was a highlight as well. And there were some really good players. Paul Desolt from North Queensland was our hooker and captain. And um, Georgie Gaddis is a great mate of mine still now, um, former warrior. He was on the on the Greece side and we yeah, ended up winning 24-22. Yeah. So I still remind him of that yeah. to this day, <laughs> which he's not really that happy about. But, yeah, from a family perspective, it yeah, means a lot, still means a lot right now. It means a lot for my grandfather. And it means a lot for my family back in back in Italy. Um, you know, my, when, we got, when I got married uh, in Mackay, my family came over from Italy and you know, for me at the time, is it for me at the time it wasn't that big of a deal in terms of the family thing because you're young and you know these things are coming up and you sort of take it for granted to be completely honest. But you know, upon reflecting and when you get a bit older, you, you really do appreciate those opportunities and it does mean a lot to certainly for me and and the rest of my family as well. There's a strong um, Italian contingent um, in North Queensland, isn't there? Like a strong Ita Italian community. Like you got Marty and Bella. farmers, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Marty Bella and um, Aiden Guerra, some of the Queenslanders, North Queenslanders. Yeah. And play Origin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, well, a lot of the, a lot of the families came over and started started farms, and uh, my family in Walkerston built the local church there, and um, you know, my grandfather came over as an eight year old on a boat, and the the family back there sort of tell the story that they call him Elio, that you know, one day he's sitting there in the family village and you know the next like seven months later they get a letter from him to say he's arrived and if you think about that in the context of how we yeah. live now and the communication that we've got the streams like you just can't fathom that right like it's such a yeah. you one of your family members is gone and then seven months later you get a letter just just if they're okay that they got there and you don't actually know how that went and they're on a boat <laughs> for that period of time it's just yeah it's just thinking about that now my kids would just be like what you know that doesn't happen what's this no well mate i was gonna say uh when you brought him up before you you got to play that test match with a very good friend of mine who is greg florimo i, I know the florimo family quite well um his big game maturity would have helped you out to win that day i i, I, uh, I reckon um, oh, yeah, you know, yeah yeah kangaroo state of origin player yeah. uh legend of of north sydney he's an absolute legend yeah it was it was just a great experience and yeah like you say that's how you learn off them older blokes and probably one of the things that, you know, the, the guys like me talk about now around the reserve grade competitions and those those rep teams that you get to play play in, um, you know, that the young guys don't necessarily have that exposure to, to those people, you know. Like you, you pick little intricacies up on from every, every of, those, of those legends that you played with along the period of time and try and build that into your game and... Yeah, someone like Greg Florimo to see him in action is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mate. 
2004 and 2005, you continue your footy um, with the Roosters in the New South Wales Premier League, and you're playing back-to-back grand finals, winning the 2004 grand final against the Dragons, 30 points to eight. Uh, what are your What are your memories of that game? Oh, that was a great year. 2004 was an amazing year. We, I think we, from memory, we lost the first three games. Ivan was our coach. Um, I was captain. Uh, 20, I was 20, captain of that reserve grade team, which is a huge honour of a club like that at the Roosters and really strong at the time. So one of the career highlights for me, for sure. I think we lost the first three games. And I think the third game we got flogged by, we actually got pumped by St. George. I think it was like 50 nil or something. And I remember Ivan was probably reflecting, thinking this is probably going to be the end of my coaching career <laughs> at the time. It was like crisis meetings, you know, like this is what happens. It's like it's a big deal, and especially at the Roosters at the time. The NRL team were on fire. The junior, the other team were on fire as well, and we were in the middle and we were spastic. So we had to go back to the drawing board. I remember it was like it was really crisis meeting um, sort of levels, and we had a great team. We had some awesome players. Georgie Rose was one of the front rowers. David Shillington, you know, a lot of rep players in there. Luke Dorn was my halves partner and really good players in that team. Gavin Lester, C.S. Soloiolo, all these blokes in that side. And, um, yeah, we just went back to basics really and started having having a good time and training really hard. And we won 18 games in a row from there. We got beaten by Newtown a week before the finals and finished on top of the table. And then we pretty much wiped the floor with with all the opposition through the final series and we met St. George again, which was kind of our nemesis from the start of the year. And um, yeah, we're just on fire. I think, I think Dorney was on fire. Sammy Parrott played in that game as well. Sia was, I think Sia was only, he must've been only 17 turning 18 Sia at that time. And he was just a freak. Um, Just, it felt, feels like he didn't get bigger as he went through his career. It felt like he was the same size as what he is now as what he was back then. And he was just killing people. So, um, yeah, we, we had a great team. Too, he? He yeah, he playing center. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the left side with me was um, Sia was the center, and Gavin Lester, um, a bit of a Bulldogs legend, was the winger. He um, he was great for Sia and and, and uh, teaching him his, his craft and just a really good mentor. Um, Toddy Byrne was on the other wing, former Warrior player as well. And, Steady Byrne, yeah. Yeah, Cusack <laughs> was one of the front rowers. So there's a lot of... A lot of big-name players. Benny Hennett was there as well. And, um, yeah, so we had an awesome team, really, really good young team. And a lot of blokes from that team have gone on to play, you know, for Australia and Queensland yep. and mm. a lot of NRL players as well. So, yeah, we were pretty red-hot that day. Well, 2005, you make the grand final again. Uh, unfortunately, beaten 31-12 to 12 by Parramatta. By Jared so, Hayne. The, the Hayne <laughs> Was plane. it there? Yeah, I think he scored four tries that day. Yeah, right. That must have been the year before he broke into first grade. Yeah, 2006 yeah. was the year he got Rook of the Year. And, That's um, right, yeah. Yeah, 05. 05 was a little bit different because we were – 04 we weren't really expecting to be that good, whereas 05 there was probably a different expectation. We were still pretty young and pretty cocky at that stage as well, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shane Flanagan was our coach, so Ivan had moved on to the Warriors at that stage, so his assistant coach then. And yeah. um, again, we only lost two games all year, and we, we had a really good side. We we pumped everyone through the final series again. And um, I remember that game because before the game in the sheds, 
really good learning curve for a young person and you sort of that overconfidence and um yeah, I just remember thinking in the sheds that we're not going to get beaten and we're probably, you know, really loud. And some of those signs, if you think about that net now, is immaturity and, and probably a little bit of fear in some of the people as well. So it was a really good learning curve because we went out in the field and, like I said, Jared Hayne was on fire. He played on the left wing and I think he scored four tries over our winger. Um, and, yeah, just tore us apart. We were never in the contest. Um, Jamie Soud and myself were the halves in that game. And, again, we had a really great side, really good team. Um, Heathless Stranger was a hooker. And, yeah, good forward pack. Stewie Webber's in that team as well. Um, Benny Hennett. And, yeah, really good team. There was a number of us that were actually leaving uh, the club after that year. So it was it was one of them one of them things where you sort of look back and regret and would have been a good opportunity to be able to win two grand finals in a row. But, Again, really good learning experience for me. Um, certainly, you know, after that time in big games and how to approach them around, you know, proper preparation because a bit of a funny story for the preparation in this game. We, um, we had a really good close close group of um, – core group of friends in that team. And I don't know, for some reason we went out for dinner on the – must have been the Wednesday night. Wednesday night, went out for dinner. I think we went and watched a movie. It was me, Jamie Soward, um, Heath Lestrange, uh, a couple of other boys. I can't remember. It was about five of us, I think. And um, we, David Chillington had a house just in the back of Ramwick there, and we knew he was on his – we knew he was – it was, it's a reasonable-sized house, and he was renting it, and um, he lived with a guy that he went to school with from Brizzy. So we went around there, had this great idea that we'd pretend to break into his house, um, you know, we, we did the whole Bella Clava thing, you know, like you put the shirts around your face and you can't see anything. And it's it's unusual because most of the boys like lived in apartments. And so, yeah, Shiloh lived in this house and we just come up with this idea and thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, this will be fun. Um, so we, we proceeded to try and break into his house. Uh, I think Strangey ran around the back and we we're doing a pretty good job of it because it was would have been at 1030 at night. And, um, you know, Shiloh's, what, 115, oh, probably 120 kilos at the stage. He's a, he's a big guy, you know. He's a big dude. So we're expecting Shiloh to come out the front and uh, and approach these thieves. He sends his roommate, who's five foot two, 65 kilos, and he's, like, pushing him. He's pushing him out the front door. Trindle, Trindle, go and sort him out. Go and sort him out. I'll call the police. I'll call the police. So we're, we've seen this and we're just pissing ourselves. And um, anyway, we kept going and we probably took it a bit far because by the end, Big Shiloh came out with his shirt off and uh, with the golf club. And that was kind of, okay, let's take the mask off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those that's probably not ideal preparation for, for a grand final week and how we, actually, <laughs> how we actually, our mindset approaching the game. So, um, but yeah, it was a good time. We... We got up to a few shenanigans like that, um, all in the right spirit. But yeah, we had a good group of, group of blokes. That's for Nat, sure. Nat Wood wasn't at the Roosters at that stage, was he? He wasn't there. Nah, no, nah, I've heard about them stories. Yeah. Yeah, we were just going to say it's not the first time we've heard stories like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My God, <laughs> mate. Um, you mentioned it before that a couple of guys were leaving the club. Um, at the end of that 2005 season, you end up going over to the Warriors um for the 2006 season uh Ivan Cleary's named as as head coach was that the reason you went there and and how early 
during that 2005 season had you committed to leaving the Roosters and heading to New Zealand? Yeah, I, I've always had really strong relationships with with my coaches and mentors over my career, um, which has been great. I've, I've had a lot of really good coaches. I men, mentioned Ricky Stewart there before, and, and yeah. um, you know, Ivan and I kind of hit it off. Um, he put a lot of faith in me as a young kid from North Queensland to, to come down and, and captain the team. And as I said before, it was a huge honour, and we had some great players in that. So, you know, naturally out of that, you you strike up a relationship with your coach as a coaching captain. So we, um, you know, we stayed in contact when he went over to the Warriors and it was pretty early, sort of mid-season. Um, you know, Roosters were were making a decision to keep either myself or Jamie Seward and and um, the Warriors were, were pretty proactive in their approach. Um, so it wasn't really a decision for me at all. I knew Kevin Campion that was there at the time. So him and Ivan were in regular contact. I was going to the games and it was kind of just a, a natural real progression for me, really. Um, you know, I, I got to meet Kempe and I got to meet a couple of the boys. Nathan Fiend was there at the time. I knew Feeney from from the Cowboys as well and, and, and Skinny Byrne had gone there. So there was some... There's some relationships that, that were already there that I felt comfortable with, and I knew that Michael Luck was going over there at the same time, and then you know Georgie Gaddis came, and so we we all knew each other from North Queensland, so it just it just was the right fit for me. Um, so yeah, midway through the year, I sort of made that decision, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed the back end of the year, but you know, off the back of knowing where I was sort of headed next year, and and pretty confident that um, that I'd get an opportunity. You um, relocating to New Zealand. Do you remember what your first impressions of not so much the club, but just of Auckland itself was, particularly coming from a North Queensland background? It just was, it felt like a mini version of, of Sydney. And by that stage, yeah, I probably had enough of, of Sydney. It was a good time, but, um, you know, I took my footy really seriously and committed, but, yeah, there was an element of of um, of life at the Roosters where you know you play a lot of Friday night games and there's there's long weekends involved in that as well. So yeah. I was ready to make that change and um, yeah, so it felt like it just was a mini version of Sydney. Really, that was my first first impression. But you know, when you get into the club and you meet the players and you get an understanding of the culture of uh, the country and also how how deeply the players care about their culture and then and how much they look after people that come from another country or come from somewhere else to to their town um, there's nothing like a one-team town and you know New Zealand and Auckland were, were like that it was a really tight group of of fellas and you know off the back of that I, I absolutely loved my time there yeah, well, the Warriors organisation, I mean, we'd had some success in 2001, 02 and 03 playing finals footy, but in 2004 and 5, uh, we'd finished 14th and 11th. Um, what was your first impressions of the club when you got there? It was very much, there was a, there was a, it was a, there was a Roosters feel to it because, and a Cowboys feel because Campo was there and Ivan were there and there was a couple other people uh, Craig Walker came over as well from the Roosters at that time. So there was a fair bit of, like, there was familiarity for me around that. 
and how we approach training um, was very similar. We've worked our absolute ass off. It was very professional. Um, the facilities were really good there at Mount Smart. You know, the gym underneath the stadium there yeah. was great. Um, the Mount, Mount Smart field itself was really good. So, yeah, I just felt like it was a professional organisation and, and what I did feel like is that we were going to be working our asses off and working hard uh, that pre-season and, and I was absolutely correct because it was um, it was one of the tougher ones. There's not many easy ones, but, yeah, we, we certainly – I probably get a little bit annoyed and, and still to this day, you know, when the commentators sort of talk about the fitness of the Warriors teams and that, that yeah. was something that we really – used to get pissed off at and certainly for me from a playing perspective during that time because I know what it was like at the Roosters and I know what it was like at the Cowboys under Billy Johnson and we trained just as hard, no doubt about it. And some of the, you know, some of the scores I sort of tell people now around the beep tests of some of the guys, like Ivanto Mavavi getting a 14 on a beep test, like people can't, they, they just, they don't think that's actually true. Well, well, it is, you know, there was some expectations of, where we had to get to um, from a house perspective and front rowers. But when you got people like Ivan getting 14 and Solomon Manning getting like 15 and a half, 16, it's just that argument around, you know, the Warriors not being fit and not training. It just doesn't stand up. Oh, it's just yeah, one of maybe, many myths associated yeah, with our yeah. club. Many we've, myths. We've, <laughs> we've had to deal with that garbage from uh, Australian media since 95, mate. It, um, and living in Australia and hearing it all the time, it, um, it really annoys you because there is a kind of we sense there is a kind of bias in the way that they do talk about the Warriors and that level of fitness or lack thereof. Um, because that's the same argument every year, you hear it every year. You know, we used to hear it from commentators back in the 90s, and we're still hearing it from you know guys like Anasta and that now in on Fox Sports that the Warriors just aren't fit, but it, it's just, big, yeah. big forward pack only play for 60 minutes, all yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's a sore point with us too, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, but in terms of first impressions, it felt like it was a very professional organisation. Um, you know, led by Ivan at that time, and you know the the owners were were pretty involved as well, and they were around the club. So, um, yeah, first impressions were really good. I, you know, I was I was there as someone to, I really as you know someone to to take an opportunity really. So. You know, my expectations were to go there and work my ass off and see if I could get a chance, and that was that was basically it. Well, you did get a chance, mate. After a, a pretty solid preseason, you you find yourself named uh, for the Warriors' two thousand six season opener uh, against Melbourne at Mount Smart. What do you remember about that uh, being named in that squad leading up to the game? That those feelings, knowing that um, this was it, you were going to make your NRL career uh, debut. I'll tell you what I remember. I remember two days before the game, Ruben Wiki absolutely belting me under my ribs and breaking two of my top ribs before my debut. That's the preparation. Ruben is an absolute, you know, he's a legend, one of the best, one of the absolute greats. He trained as hard as what he played every session, every single session without fail. Yeah. So if he couldn't go 100%, then he didn't miss in too many training sessions, mate. He, he was full full ball all the time. There was a lot of there was a lot of the boys like that, and that was probably one of the features of how we trained as well. Like it, it was physical, you know. In our 
when in our inter club uh, games, uh, you know, opposed, we used to call them opposed sessions. Um, opposed sessions it was yeah. like it was like bloody state of origin. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking, holy shit! Like what? Like this is crazy. You know, that was that was one of the things that you, if you think about, one of the first things I, I recognise is that how hard the boys trained, how hard they ran at each other, how hard they belted each other, and Rubes was at the forefront of that. Yeah. You know, this is a bloke that's probably played 200 and, I don't know, 220 games by this stage and at the back end of his career, and he was going as hard as anyone else. So that was a feature of, the, of my debut week. And um, so, yeah, I, there was no way I wasn't playing, so I, I got needled up for the first, I think, 18 games of my career. So that season wow. um, in the in the couple of ribs, either side of the couple of ribs up, up here. Um, so... But yeah, outside of that, it was just a really special sort of moment, really, culmination of of a shitload of hard work and dedication and sacrifice and, you know, sacrifice of a lot of people in and around, you know, me and my family and um, what they've done for me to be able to get there and just really, yeah, really proud moment. It was, you know, it's probably cliche. A lot of blokes say, oh, "I just wanted to play one game." Well, yeah, I just wanted to play one game. That's all I wanted, wanted to do. That's that's all I wanted to do was play one game. And you know, I was lucky enough to do that at the Warriors in front of a, a Mount Smart crowd who are really passionate and loud. And you know, I just remember that and how passionate and loud they were. I was really surprised by that because I've never been there before for a home game. Yeah. And our trial, our trial games were. I think we played at North Harbour and then. Gold Coast, so we didn't actually have any real big trolls at yeah. Mount Smart. So, yeah, that one of the real special moments is is running out of that tunnel. That's one yeah. thing that you miss. It's it's unreal, you know. Um, back in Black's pumping. Uh, yeah, love yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um that debut game though. What are your memories? Of that game sitting on the bench and the anticipation of watching the early exchanges and you sort of itching for your turn to get out there oh i remember bloody greg inglis running around mardo put put the palm on him at a oh. scrum ran around him too fast and well, i knew g well obviously knew gi is that he's he's was playing junior grades at, at the at north devils in the q cup and i had a keen eye on that and he was an absolute freak so Oh, yeah. yeah, he was a gun then. So, yeah, run around Mardo and we started okay. Melbourne were obviously a good side. Um, yeah, I remember just being on the bench. I hated – I didn't – the only time I ever played on off the bench was when playing first grade when I first started. Outside of that, I've always started in the halves or, you know, as a junior. So that was really tough. Like in the trials, I come off the bench and was playing hooker and played pretty well. And I don't think the coaching staff were really expecting that to work, but – there might have been an injury, so I just got an opportunity off the bench and played hooker, and it kind of worked. I just had freedom, so I used to just get, get on the field and run the ball, and it worked. And so I had a bit of practice in the in the in the preseason games, and you just spend a lot of energy. I just remember spending a lot of energy on the sideline because I'm not used to it. I don't know how to approach that. So, and there wasn't a lot of clear instruction of when you're going to go on. Like in your in you're in that utility spot, it's like. You could go on after two minutes or you could go on with 90 seconds to go. Yeah. So you've just got to be ready. And in that, as a young bloke and in your in your debut game, you're just you're eating up a lot of energy, just, you know, thinking about, well, you know, what am I going to do? And um, in the middle of the field as well, because I'm not used to that, wasn't used to that sort of in the middle of the field and constant in the middle of the field. And so uh, one of the trial games, I got out there a little bit earlier 
and it's around that 25 minute mark and that that's that 25 minute mark in the middle of the field like when you've got 25 to go to half time you get you're getting sort of 10 minutes to go to half time and you're completely wrecked like your lungs are busted and big boys run at you all day and i'm not used to that i'm used to hiding out you know out near the sideline sort of not doing anything whereas a bit different in the middle <laughs> so i'm sort of thinking that on the sideline going oh shit i hope i don't get out there too early because i'm going to tank and oh what can i do it's a melbourne storm and and you, you get out there and you know you get given the card and that sort of it just all goes away and the crowd noise goes away and it's just you just sort of you're on and um yeah, I just remember getting out there straight away and running out of dummy half and, you know, put a nice big step on and that felt great. So I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I set up a try or something. Something happened really quickly. Uh, might have been someone on the post. I can't quite remember, but there was a couple of good things happening. I was thinking, oh, wow, this is like I've built this up to be really hard, but, you know, it's quite easy. <laughs> And then, you know, we, yeah, when we when we when we when we had possession it was easy but when we were defending for periods of time that wasn't easy at all um, no. so i think i think they must they might have just got us but you know when when you're in that game the result doesn't matter you're sort of just on cloud nine really and um yeah so mum and dad came over and that was really special and yeah you get a lot of support from family and friends and um costo was calling the game at the time and at the time in the Warriors and Costas from Mackay, so he always used to um, from the tropics, either, yeah, either really pump me up or bag me. So, well, that's okay. Um, he's, he's a good man. Yeah. He follows uh, the page too, so he'll hear yeah, that. Yeah, he will definitely hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, twenty-two to sixteen uh, was was it for the record? Yeah, Melbourne just go. just got us that day. But um, you mentioned the crowd before, so ten thousand Warriors fans on a Sunday Arvo. When we were chatting to Tady a couple of weeks ago, he was saying that. 8,000 fans at Mount Smart sounds like 52,000 fans at Suncorp. Um, was that your experience of, of playing home games? Yeah. It's um, – they're just so loud. It's it's really weird. Like, a couple of blackout games we had there for semis were just an amazing experience. But, yeah, I reckon Tate's right. I reckon um, for Arwen's, Arwen's testimonial game, the weather was, like, awful yeah. i think there was six thousand people there but i just remember thinking like it feels like there's 15 20 in here like they're so loud and very passionate we beat the sharks i think four two that game or whatever it was but yeah i i, I agree with tady they they're very passionate um you know they turn up regardless of the weather um rail hail rain hail or shine and I, yeah, go back to that running out of the tunnel and the drums and you see the crowd, you know, on that stand as you, as you go out. It, it's a really good feeling. I used to, used to love that, absolutely love it. The other thing about the home ground was we used to, you know, talk about the weather because a lot of the Aussie boys, we knew the attitude of the visiting teams, right? They used to come over and stay and then just go straight home. and Hated it. <laughs> hated it. Saturday yeah. night at home. We used to love Saturday night at home. Oh, yeah. That was We just were so confident. It was either going to be wet or cold or both um, of the above. And we used to have this thing called our weather. So, you know, when you rolled in there, um, if we were in camp or whatever, and we rolled in there and it was a drizzling night, you know, night game. It was rainy. We, did, we were like, yes, we're on here. We're on. <laughs> and, yeah, bad people like Ruben and Arwen and, you know, you know, these guys licking their lips going, bring it on, boys. So, yeah, that was it was awesome. 
Lucky, Lucky said when we chatted to him that his happy place is in the middle of Mount Smart Stadium when it's bucketing down with yeah. rain. Yeah, cold and wet. <laughs> cold and wet day at Mount yeah. Smart, yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Mate, um, the first two games for the Warriors were losses, but you get your first NRL win in the round three victory against the Tigers. Um, do you remember that game? Describe your feelings about getting your first... NRL win and and do you remember singing the team song after that game? Ah uh, yeah, the team song is great. <laughs> team song is awesome. I uh, I don't actually. It's funny. Um, we used to have this big rivalry with the Tigers. We hated them. Yeah. We said well, yeah. Premiers, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember why. I think I think there was some. Might have been something with Robbie Farrell. Generally, not very popular within within our playing group potentially, and there was some other. There was a bit of chat in a couple of the games, and I think that just sort of grew. And mm. so we used to love playing the Tigers, and we had a really good record against them as well. Um, and yeah, and, and I we had a couple of really good wins, and I remember playing well against the Tigers. So we always I used to always enjoy coming up against them. Um, but I don't remember that game specifically, actually. It's to cross be honest, church, wasn't honest. It? Pretty sure it was yeah. a Christchurch. Yeah. yeah, it was. Oh yeah, 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 the old, right. Old stadium there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. I I don't really remember it that well, to be completely honest. So I know, I know it was freezing cold, um, and I probably got. I think I only got on in the second half. I think Webby had a blind of that game as well. Now I think yeah. about it. A great season and, that year. Yeah. yeah, Webby's. Yeah, he's he's uh, he was unreal. Webby. It, he's really interesting as a fullback. Think about you know players and players sledging. It's normally the halves and the hookers and people that are close to the action. But Webby was the worst. Really? He was doing it from fullback. <laughs> you just hear him from the back, just giving it to blokes, and he's like twenty meters away, just chirping away at the just back. Chirping, and then, and there was like on the on the run commentary and giving it to the referee at the same time. And yeah, he was he was a good man, Webby, and a very good player as well during those times. Oh, absolutely! Another great North Queenslander. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we ask all our guests this question, but do you remember your first NRL try? Yeah. 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 Newcastle. Exactly yes. right. You got it. Um, yes. Round four in a 26-22 win against Newcastle. What do you remember about the try? I think Feeney went through and I supported. Um, it's one of them, like, that was one thing that I always used to – I'm well, probably not known for, but something that I worked hard on was around my support play. And, um, you know, when someone takes off and you see that opening and it's kind of the fullback and then you've just got fresh air. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. I just remember, yeah, getting the pass off Feeney. And uh, it's, again, one of those moments where you're sort of reflecting, going, how good's this? Um, it was probably more special because at Newcastle, I had a couple of shockers in reserve grade at the Cowboys there. I remember one day I bloody... I was only 17. I was playing fullback. I would have been like 70 kilos. They, they put up this bomb and I was in the middle of the field. And these are back in the days when they were, it was packed, like 2002, full for reserve grade, um, like 25,000, whatever it's there. And they've put up this bomb and I'm underneath it. Like this young kid, I would have just been, they would have been thinking, what are you doing here? You know, you should be in grade five. And um, in the middle of the field and I'm, I'm saying mine, 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 and we have these two big, big unit wingers, um, Nappy Coruscant, and I forget the other dude's name at the Cowboys, and 
someone to Cassie and um, so I, I did the yeah mine and they've just literally come in together at the same time and just crushed me like completely crushed me and I'm just on the ground the ball's bounced up in the air Newcastle had come through and scored and, and that crowd just gives it to you and I had a couple of moments like that just as a young kid playing reserve grade so it was one of them grounds where I was like far out Newcastle you know you're gonna go there the sheds are the Johns boys did this and they continued the tradition. They used to put the, the hoses in the sheds and it was freezing cold. Like it was wet and cold. It was, it was, it was a shit show. So to go there and score my first try, you know, it was, it was a bit of one of those things. It's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is great. You know, stick it up and type thing. And we played well and we had a really good win. So that was one of the, I'll never forget that one. That was a, that was a really good game. Mate, the, um, the first five games of that season, you came off the bench, but, Round six, you, you finally get your first run on at five eight against Canberra at Bruce Stadium, um, with uh, the you know world's biggest five eight Sione Famuina moving back to the bench. <laughs> um, that must have felt pretty good, uh, you know, to get named in the run on side and and secure that spot in the team. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really. Un- I wasn't ex- expecting that at all. Um, I actually thought that. You know, I was going to be either on the bench or just filling in spots, really. Um, you know, that's the way I trained and I wasn't expecting any of that stuff. And I think, yeah, there was some good performances off the bench and some people weren't performing as well. I don't think that combination with, with, with Sione and Feeney was, was necessarily working. So um, it was a good opportunity for me. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience. And, again, it's one of them things where it's just really special moment and, you know, you sort of don't think about it until after the game of the gravity of it. But, um, but yeah, really great experience. And I think, it, again, I, I don't know if we won. I feel like we didn't win that game. Was that the game where... Um, I think Alan Tung scored a try in the dying yes. minutes. It was off like a yes. rebound kick. It was one of those we really in annoying front. ones. Yeah. We were in yeah. front and um, Skinny Burn took an intercept. And he got ran down. He was on a treadmill. I can't. I still remember Surely that. Not skinny burn. No. Skinny burn. Skin dog got run down because 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 I don't think we'd won there in forever, and we we're up. Oh yeah, no. we had a terrible record there. Yeah. Yeah, for us. yeah. yeah, we're up. We're up, and we were going good. I think we we're in front most of the game, actually. Now yeah, that you, now much you the say whole that, game. yeah. Yeah, and, and Skinny took this intercept, and I was thinking, oh yes, yeah, Skinny Beauty, we're home. And Craig Frawley was like in behind him, and Skinny just hit the treadmill, and <laughs> there was quicksand, no. and he was getting dragged down. It was literally like five meters out, and it was like someone just got a got a um, got a chainsaw and just cut his legs off. He was he was done. <laughs> it was five meters out and got tackled fifteen meters. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of snipers in the crowd, just, and uh, he went down. So. Yeah, skin oh, dog and yeah, no. Tungy. Tungy did the show and go over under the post. I remember it now, yeah. But yeah, from, from my perspective it was it was a pretty cool experience. But I but I just thought that I'd probably go back to the bench after that. Yeah, well like that, that was the, that was the thinking for me. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Well well actually round ten, Ivan decides to switch it up a little bit and you're named at halfback with um Feeney moving to hooker and Jerome Rapati partners you in the halves. Uh, did you enjoy the opportunity to direct the team around on the park? Yeah, I did. I did. It was a, it was actually a really good combination with with Feeney and I. That that I guess that was probably the combination for the remainder of the year or thereabouts. And 
we've done a fair bit of training in the preseason, you know, as you do, I was the reserve half and jump in and Fiends would go in there and felt really comfortable with that. You know, I knew Feeney from, from the Cowboys. I'd known him since I was sort of 16 type stuff, you know, coming through the ranks and he was one of the senior guys and he really looked after me, Feeney, as well. You know, probably taught me one of the things about coming through the NRL and, and really good mateship and a, a good team and essentially I took his position right and and Feeney wanted to play halfback and that was his that was his um preferred position and you know he he mentored me and looked after me and really helped me out that first season he was excellent he was really good I don't think I would have played as well um if I didn't have someone like him there being able to help me and for us to be able to have that connection well Ivan yeah sticks with the halves combo well of yourself and Jerome um for the remainder of the season uh, Jerome Rapati, and you played 16 games together. You won nine of them. Um, so having the trust of your coach to do the job required must have felt really good. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I guess I probably had that built that relationship and trust with Ivan before that time. So that really helped me. It kind of was – it just felt like it was back at the Roosters and this is my job and he knew my strengths and he didn't ask me to do anything outside of that and, and um, the guys gave me a lot of support and being able to run the team around, um, which I just felt comfortable with. And it was a good combination with, with Jerome as well because he was a really strong ball runner. So, um, you know, it was my job to direct the team around with, with Feeney's assistance and then, you know, give the ball to the big guys and Jerome in space, and that was kind of it. Um, yeah, probably probably feature of certainly my my personal game that year was around my kicking game, and um, we had a lot of, lot of success with Big Manu on the wing, so I just used to just put it over there for him and he'd just catch it and put it down, you know. That was pretty easy. Mate, round 14, you came up against uh, your old club in the Roosters, um, tell us what, what that what that's like. Was there some different feelings when you approached that game, uh, especially, you know, coming up against old mates? Yeah, definitely. It's one of the things you, you mark in the calendar, uh, particularly, you know, I guess you sort of have this, really they, they chose someone else over me. Um, you know, it worked out for me in the end regardless but you know you sort of have that in the back of your mind you know to be completely honest blokes sort of go oh no not, not really but but yeah in the back of your mind it, it definitely plays and and you know uh finchie was a halfback and he was in front of me and i respected him and he was really good for me in my career and so you, you just want to make a good account of yourself against those guys and and um i'm pretty sure we did didn't we did we go all right that game i can't uh, quite Rob, remember Rob was every game who scored try? He remembers. He's a freak. Did so, we win that game? Yeah, mate. We won that game 22-12. And then we oh, also hey, we, we, we smashed them at the end of the year as well. Uh, Jerome got four tries. Yeah. There you go. I was, I was, my memory was nearly right. But, yeah, I remember it was Yeah, it was a good game. And so, yeah, absolutely. Wanted to play a good game against them. Um, you know, first first game back. I think Shiloh was there because um, David Chillings and I lived together in Sydney. And he was bloody, kept hitting me off the ball. Every time I kicked it, he was hitting me off the ball. And every time I'd run down, he'd try and run me off and, you know, elbows. And so it was a bit of fun. You know, it's, it's good to play against mates and at the same time as, as uh, beat, beating them, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, we, we finished the 2006 season in 10th, um, only missing out because of those four competition points that we were deducted at the start of the year. So ordinarily yeah. we would have finished in the – in the top eight, but um, 
But for you personally, um, it was a successful first season in the NRL, and you're nominated for Dalian Rookie of the Year, and you take out the Warriors um, Young Player of the Year award. So you must look back on that first season with a lot of pride. Yeah, absolutely. The the really the last game of the year was a great experience. It was Shane Webke's last Broncos home game. Yeah, was that that game? Yeah, mate, that was phenomenal. I, again, that's one of the ones that you you never forget. I, I remember running out as a Sunday afternoon. Sunday footy's so yeah. good, ball dry. You can throw it around. It's great. So. Always used to get pretty pumped about that, but at playing at Suncorp it was the first game I played at Suncorp um, in the NRL. I'm pretty sure and it was full. It was actually absolutely packed. So you, yeah. you run out onto the field. I remember running back because they were kicking off to us, and it, you just look up and there's just people like it's just a sea of like mountain of people, and it, there wasn't a, a empty seat in the house. It was just so loud, and we only had 18 fit players going into that game in the club. Only 18 wow. fit players. And if we win that game, we actually make the finals. We had, yeah. only had 18. And I remember there was like Skinny Burn was injured, like actually badly injured and played the game and played well. Um, I think Skinny might have got player that plays player that, that he, game. He scored and, a try that game, I remember, from a kick to the corner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So there was a lot of players injured. And I just – I remember there were some really good memories from that season, but I remember that game specifically around like we had no players left. And um, if we actually had a one, we would have been in the finals. And, you know, like you said, if we didn't have the points deduction, we would have been there anyway, which is just a huge achievement. It was a it was a really good year, massive achievement for the club. And Ivan, like as you guys pointed out before, the, the two years before that were pretty slim pickings. And yep. um, we trained our absolute arse off in that preseason. And we deserved, you know, you don't deserve anything. But we, um, we certainly deserve to be in and around it at the end of the season. And like I said, we didn't have any players left at all and um, which, which is a really good achievement. And yeah, for me myself, it was, a, it was, I was really proud of the season and um, pretty blown away to be able to get nominated for that award, um, to be honest. And I mentioned before around Jared Hayne, you know, he beat me for the grand yeah. final the year before, and then he beat me for the trophy that year as well. <laughs> but yeah, massive honor to be able to, um, to be nominated and, and also win the award at the, at the club function as well. It was a great, it was a really good season. Yeah. Mate, in um, 20, 2007 season kicks off and in a, what is an absolute rarity for our club, uh, we get a round one victory against uh, Parramatta that day. Um, obviously a great way to, to kick off the new season, especially at home. Yeah, we're on fire that day. Yeah, we were um, just really crisp. I remember just being, yeah, really crisp that day and it was a good win and again we had great preparation really good pre-season had a lot of people fit that day as well and just culminated in a really good performance to kick off the year um that that was a big deal for us we we put a lot of energy into winning that first game of that year because it was it was spoken about around the record to to kick off seasons and um we went about that about that game with a lot of purpose to be able to to kick off the season with a win. Yeah, mate, you form a nice halves combination with new signing Michael Witt um, during that season too. And you play 17 or, uh, or 18 games together that season. Um, being able to keep the same halves combination obviously makes it easier for the team to perform. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it does. It's it's really important. Um, I think the combination with Witty and I uh, was really good. Uh, you know, Witty had some 
had some good key strengths that that sort of were lacking in my game. His kicking game and he was really good tactically as well and, and just a solid defender. And, yeah, we got on a lucky house on fire with him as well. I still do now, still stay in contact. He, he's, a, he's a good guy. And, um, yeah, we had some fun times in that preseason and fun times throughout the year, particularly uh, making a lot of fun of our mate George Gaddis. <laughs> we we have heard stories about him. There was something about him burning, burning some stuff. Was it, was it sacrificial burning of of players' gear? Because that's right. It went on. It went on for like it, it must have been the whole preseason. So poor old George. He's such good value, and he's he's probably an easy target. He just blows up. He he just gets this rage. You know, um, he. We were using his t- towel. I think it was like for the whole preseason, just con- like all of us. So it was me, Witty, um, Lucky. It's just this crew, um, Tony Martin, uh, crew of blokes that we would just continually do stuff to George. And we were using his towel for that period of time. So you come out of the shower and uh, you want a nice, clean, warm towel, dry towel. And he gets out of the shower and it's wet because five blokes have used it. <laughs> So this this was building up. It was building up for a long period of time. He used to blow up, and he was interviewing people and you know trying to find out who it was. And you know, I think push come to shove, one day he, he loses his shit and he, he just he doesn't no reason with George. He, he loses it and that's it. So what he did was he filled up a garbage bag of, of boys' gear and uh, filled it all up. Went to Ellerslie petrol station, filled it full of petrol. Uh, and then took it over to the field there at Ellerslie, you know, the, the field right there. Um, I forget what footy club it is, but took it over there. Ellerslie Eagles. Ellerslie Eagles, Eagles, that's it. And, um, took it over there and proceeded to light it on fire. And as we all know, petrol burns and burns really quickly. (laughs) And it was raining that day. So it's just gone up. Because he videoed it, he videoed it. It was like this bloody terrorist attack. He videoed it and was was carrying on like a pork chop. Yeah, you will never do this again, and like ripping in. And so he videoed it. It's raining, and the petrol starts, you know, dispersing, oh. and so does the fire. <gasps> and so the, and it started to go across like to the to the club room and the clubhouse there. And next minute, him and Lucky are trying to put it out. And then in the background, you hear this fire brigade coming. And oh, mate, it was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, we got to get a hold of Georgie Gaddis. Yeah, we got to get Georgie Gaddis on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and have some, I think with Georgie, you might have to get him to bring a tissue because he sends a spit while he talks. So you might have to get. <laughs> well, you're giving it to the poor Greek boy. My God. <laughs> if you get him on here, he will paste me. So I need to get in early. Oh, yeah, yeah get a few shots in. Yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, um, round 19 against the Tigers and round 20 against the Knights, um, you score your only uh, career try doubles in back-to-back weeks. And then two weeks later, you score your first and only career hat-trick against the Titans. Um, tell us about that. You must have been happy with the, the form you had at that point of the season. Yeah, it was rare form. I don't, I don't know what to put it down. So, I was wearing the lucky jocks there. Um I didn't. I didn't change my um my game day routine on my jocks for th- for four weeks during that period of time. Nah, <laughs> yeah. we were we were pretty hot during that time. I think we we flogged Newcastle 
Um, yeah, yeah we give it to the Titans as well. We um, we really hit a hit a hit a um, hit a, a, a good good patch of form. That's for sure. Are you getting that feedback? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that feedback. Oh, I'm not sure what that is. Sounds like it's cleared up now. Okay. We'll, we'll try and continue then. <laughs> um... Yeah, like you said, the team had a great run of form getting this season with nine wins and a draw from the final 12 games. Um, what do you remember about that period of success in 2007? It was just probably a culmination of the, the 2006 season going into 2007, really. It, um, you know, we just – you get into these – into flow. We had a good, really good combination, you know, myself and Witty, and the combinations were clicking. We – we didn't have a lot of injuries during that period of time as well. And there was just a, a good understanding of each other's games. And, and like I said before, we, we just seemed to click. And there was a couple of games during that period where we played on a Saturday night at home and, you mm. know, teams didn't come prepare. I think Penrith rolled up and we beat them by 60. And yeah. um, we had a big win against the Rabbitohs that year as well, 60, 66-6. Um so yeah, we, we got on a on a pretty big roll there, and um, once you get in in the play in the teams that I remember playing, that was playing in that I was, was successful. Once you find that, once you really find that rhythm in those teams, it's hard to stop. And and we had a team that liked that as well. Like we had some really big game players in that that group yeah. of 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 that group of players at that period of time. And like I said, we caught fire and we we couldn't be stopped really. Yeah. Um, TK's jumped in, mate. He's uh, giving Georgie Gaddis some support. He said he had some good fish and chips at uh, St. Helia's Bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, mate, uh, you said earlier uh, about your halves play that, you know, you liked – it was always important that you, you backed up um, through the middle, your big men through the middle. Um, that season, you actually tied for the club's uh, – leading try scorer with um, Manu and uh, Jerome Ropardi. Uh, was that a bit of a surprise for you or, you know, you're, you're backing up like a good half should uh, get you up there? Yeah, I think it's probably one thing that I didn't I didn't do as well in the NRL plan first grade. A lot of my junior career and a lot of reserve graders scored a lot of tries just from backing up. And, and that year I just made a, a concerted effort to be able to do that. I think you get caught up in as a halfback trying to get the team around the field and trying to stick to the plan and execute the strategy. And um, some of the things that I was good at, I kind of, you, you sort of lose that or you play within yourself to be able to, to play as a team player. And that was something that I was proud of. But um, I remember Ivan challenged me that year around running the footy and backing up and getting to back to some of my strengths and, you know, off the back of that, was able to um, to score some tries. You know, there's some guys in that in that period in those teams that were good offloaders and had a lot of footy mm. on them as well. And uh, you know, we we had a lot of confidence around our game and we executed it pretty well. So that just made opportunities for me, and I was lucky enough to be supporting up through the middle. Yeah. 
Yeah, mate. Twenty or well, two thousand seven through the back end of that year, we have a really good run into the finals, and we we finished fourth um, and a return to the finals footy for the first time in a few years. How do you remember the lead up to your first finals game against Parramatta? Because it's a big one because it was at home. Yeah. Oh, I was I was I was pretty nervous. I, I normally I'm normally nervous before the game, but it was it was a big deal. There was a lot of media locally. We did the blackout. Um, pretty sure it was a Friday night game. Friday it was, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was a big deal as well. I remember uh, Puma were our sponsors at the time, and they were great sponsors. And I, I'm a bit of a boot geek, and um, so I love my boots. And I used to get this certain pair of boots, the half and half stud. So um, half metal at the back, and then just the molds at the front. And they're they're pretty rare, the Puma Kings. So they used to make sure they held them for me. And that was pretty special. Yeah, um, nice. Think about that. I wish I had a pair of them boots still. And what I actually did after the game, I threw them boots in the bin. But they um, they they put our names on the boots, like in gold riding. And so that was a big deal. And so was, there was always a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of um, fanfare around the game, which so there should be. We had a successful season and finished fourth. But we played reasonably well. Um, you know, we played a finals footy style of game, high completions. We didn't play too expansive and we set ourselves up to win the game. But, um, you know, poor old Logues didn't pass the ball. He dummied when the trial line was open on the left side. I don't want to blame yeah. but that was uh, – I still remember that. I think a lot of people remember that. A, a lot of people remember it. Don't worry, mate. It's not just you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we put ourselves in a position to, to win. And, uh, you know, it's one of them things I hate to say, but it felt like we were the better team on the night. We defended really well. And all you need is one of them that, that try to happen and you win by four. And that's what happens in finals footy. It's a tough game. And I think I think we played well enough to be able to win and we put ourselves in a position to win. But, again, we just didn't find the right pass at the right time. And, and that was the end of our season, really, because after that we – we, um, you know, went up to North Queensland and, and we know what happened from there. But, yeah, it was just a really – you sort of win that game and anything can happen from there. We play another home game after that and, yeah, we would have been unbeatable at home. So in terms of um, looking back and, you know, not fond memories, yeah, we had a great season, but we didn't finish that season how we wanted to, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, res results aside, though, like twenty eight thousand fans packed into Mount Smart for a finals game. I mean, it was it was still a very big night for the club, and and still, you know, the, the result still hurts. But yeah, it was it was just great. I think to get back into finals footy and have a packed house. Oh, it was amazing. That atmosphere was ridiculous. All you know, black, totally blacked out. You know, running through that tunnel, as I said before, is, yeah, awesome. Great game. It was a intense finals footy, tough, what you'd expect at that, that time of the season. And, um, yeah, the crowd was amazing. It was a, it was a great atmosphere. Mm. We, um, as you said, we lost that game only by two points, 12-10, uh, and then headed to North Queensland where we get absolutely smashed up by the Cowboys. Uh in a game at Townsville, uh, a game where the Cowboys make us wear the black jerseys yeah. in that intense uh, North Queensland heat. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> do you remember the, the controversy surrounding that decision um, for that game? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they did, which which Neil Henry used to do uh, on the morning of day games, is put the sprinklers on the field. 
So it's that humid up there in that time of the year and it's hot. If the ground's wet, you can feel the humidity come through the actual the ground. So once you run out there, you can actually feel it coming off the yeah, ground. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that that tactic and I mean, that's what you when you've got the home field advantage. I mean, that's what happens. It's naturally. Yeah. Um, so we weren't. There was a lot of talk about it, but we weren't. We did a pretty good job of not getting caught up in it. We just. Um, we just we didn't we turned up. We, I think we scored the first two tries, didn't we? I, th- I feel we're, we're up twelve try. six. Yeah. Yeah. Had a good lead, and then uh, you know we didn't complete, and then the wheels just fell apart. And when you when you play in Townsville in those sort of conditions, if you're not completing it eighty percent, then you know chance. And yeah, we we probably come out of the blocks really quickly and and scored some easy tries, which in some of those time some of those things aren't necessarily a good thing because we were confident and we were coming up against the North Queensland team that had they were decimated by injury. They had sort of nine or ten blokes out that day. Mm. And, you know, if I reflect on preparation and we talk about the black jerseys, I actually think it was us not being prepared for a tough game, thinking that they had all these injuries out and it was going to be an easy yeah. day for us. Because we, yeah. we beat the Cowboys, I think, twice that year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we did. We had, we had a couple of big wins over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we move on to 2008. And uh, the season starts inconsistently and we're, we're alternating between wins and losses. But re- we really hit form at the back end of that season with eight wins from the last 10. Uh, and, we, and we sneak into eighth spot with a win over Parramatta in the last round. Um, how do you remember the 2008 regular season? Oh, it was up and down. We started off terribly. Uh, we were getting flogged in Australia that year and... Um... One of the key differences, which I think Ivan would, would hate this, but we, we were flying first class. We never did that before. So I don't, I don't know why. What, it was a decision probably made by the club or the sponsors, really, in New Zealand at the time trying to look after us. But, you know, one of those old school mentalities where, you know, you travel first class and there's an expectation with that goes with it. And some people potentially don't have the maturity to be able to to perform you know, under those circumstances, it's like you're, you're a warrior and expected to go out and perform like a warrior, but you're getting around in first class. It just doesn't match up. You know, league, league yeah. we're working class people and from humble backgrounds. And, yeah, I just think that we that some, some of the guys might, might have got caught up in the hype of 2007 and the expectation of 2008, and we just didn't deal with that well at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had some. We had a bit of a different preparation around some some external leadership um, that the Melbourne Storm had done, the leading teams program, and I just don't think we were mature enough as a group to go through that process. And uh, once we re- removed some of those uh, structures, and we were a lot more ourselves and a bit more laid back and a bit more of a you know Warriors footy, and that's when our season really really turned. Yeah, um, that 08 season, the team all grew beards as a bit of a sign of solidarity for Ruben Wickey. He was obviously in his last season at the club. Um, some of the Aussie boys like Witty really struggled uh, to have any form of facial hair. But but looking back at pictures, you did all right in the facial hair department, mate. Mate, that those bloody 
those pictures still haunt me to this day. Every time I've got a promotion at work or something happens at work or something's going on, they bring up this photo going, oh, this is what it used to look like. And <laughs> this looked like this big red lumberjack with this big red beard. Uh, but that, that were fond memories. That was a great time. We, uh, like you said, we were, yeah, Ruse was in, in the back end of his career last last um, season. Played, played his 300th game at, at Leichhardt Oval. That was unbelievable that day. Yeah. yeah really, yeah. yeah. It was a um, great experience. That's quite fitting because he got to play that game against uh, the Tigers who were coached by Tim Sheens at, Tim at Sheens, the time. And, yeah. you know, Sheens, he was his coach at Canberra for so long. Um, yeah. It was an it was it was an awesome experience. We had uh, we had a bit of a, a a function the night before, just in the playing in the team room. We always just have dinner together when we go away and spend a lot of time together. But that night, Ivan organised uh, some of the former players to come in and talk. Some of uh, some of Ruben's former teammates. So Laurie Daly came in, and um, yeah, Laurie Daly is a legend of the game. And um, for someone like me as a half, you sort of look up to people like that and. Yeah. You know, Laurie came in and he sort of, during that period, was a commentator. So we're always very polished and, you know, you don't get to know some of these people when they're when they're in front of the camera or they're commentating. They're really professional. And Laurie came in and, and talked and, and talked from the heart, just really emotional and the connection between him and Ruben. And he was, he was in tears about... Um, Ruben as a teammate, and it just it was inspirational. It just it blew us away. It blew all the boys away, and you know the performance the next the next day reflected that. I think it was a pretty high scoring game, but we ended up getting away with it. And um, you know we all had the beards. And again, Leichhardt Oval on a Sunday afternoon doesn't get much better than that in front of a pack crowd. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I think we were paying. Uh, I'm not I'm not a gambling man by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember my cousins were there um, in a corporate box and they would text me after the game going, oh, we got on you guys and you're paying $12 to win. <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> uh, we need so, to thank Brett, Brett Hodgson for missing that kick right at the yeah, end as well. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Thank God, yeah. But the the beards, the beards was a sore point for some of the Aussie boys. Um, I don't know if Tatey told the truth on his on his uh, on his. He only part had, of this. He had a little goatee, didn't he? he yeah, he, he was. So there was someone within the playing group that was writing letters every week about the beards. The bearded master, I think he called himself. So. Oh. There was there was letters popping in our in our inboxes in our little trays every week. We used to have these um, trays in our in our playing area where you'd get uh, mail and whatever, and we'd get these messages from the bearded master and and every week about threatening to boycott. I'm going to shave it off. This is bullshit. I hate it. And um, it was bloody Tatey, the dog. <laughs> oh, really? Tatey. Yeah. He didn't. Oh, he didn't mention he didn't, that. He didn't no. like it. He didn't like it because he had a red beard and because he's got that massive chin. <laughs> he uh, he didn't like it. So there was a couple of the boys that were sort of trying to, you know, get him shaved off. But because we had the success, we had just had to keep it going. Witties looked like you could blow it at it and it, and it didn't fly off. It <laughs> <laughs> was shocking. He was committed, though. He was committed. He kept it on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got to respect that. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like he's probably one of one of the greatest moments for for Witty that gets replayed all the time now, and he's got that terrible beard, and all of us do. Like I've got this big red thing down the sideline, and oh, yeah, funny. 
Good times. Well, speaking of which, that brings us on to that that iconic game, uh, probably the most iconic game in the club's history. It's the first versus eighth qualifying final against Melbourne. Um, the first time an eighth place team has ever knocked over the minor premiers. Tell us uh, your memories of that iconic game. Yeah, so we we had a lot of success over the over the Melbourne Storm. We used to approach yep. it. Um, you have to with a team like Melbourne. We'd go into that those games. They were kind of we would approach them as if they were bullies. They they played a tough brand of football. They were renowned for putting it over teams, and you know they're really aggressive and. If I think, if I reflect back on when we played well, we were exactly the same. You know, we had a really strong forward pack and guys that were feared um, for the opposition. So when we played well, that's how we approached our game. And so every time we played against Melbourne, Ivan really challenged us to to go into that game with an aggressive mindset and dominate and not let them put it over us. And that's how we approached it. And that's how we had success against them. We, we bullied the bullies and that's... Um, that was something that was a focus on. And I remember before that game, we um, we made some promises. And I remember Rubes come up with this idea about when they'd run out. Because they always used to run out through them banners and make this yeah. big thing, uh, running through the banner. And, and I remember Ivan sort of having a go about it. And then Rubes said, well, stuff them. Let's, when they run through the banner, let's all stand there right behind it, locked arms with the beards, just going, let's go. <laughs> so that's what we did. That's what we did when they ran out. We were standing there in a group all bound bound together and solidarity and, and um, showing a show of strength that we're not going to be bullied by the bullies. And that's how we approached the game. And, again, really aggressive. Some things come off for us. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we were really aggressive throughout that game. The defence was unreal um we didn't give up and it was just a traditional really uh, you know a finals footy game and uh that try at the end of the game was ridiculous what do you remember about it what, but it was just yeah. a, it was a feature of our game at that time we ivan we we made a lot of effort in and around our top speed so um focused in on that speed from sort of you know plus 50 meters so a lot of teams work on speed between because the rugby league is a, a short game, so you work on that explosive speed. But over the, that sort of two or three year period, we worked at our top speed, so sort of fifty plus. Because we had guys like Manu and you know Wade McKinnon. Um, these guys are really quick. Jerome, you know, outside back. So during that period of time, we we had the most tries from inside our fifty in the NRL for that for the two years, and we concentrate on that. So a lot of back five movements and spreading the ball without not high risk play but early ball to the to those guys that had a lot of skill and Manu and and those guys at, at the time and, and Wade McKinnon was the same so it was really the same as that you know Witty moved the ball to Jerome in space Jerome's really hard to handle off the back of that you got Manu who was the fastest in the club and 110 kilos so if you give him a little bit of space and then Witty just backed up it was just it, it was what we'd done for the last two years, but just really magnified at that period of time because it was, you know, 30 seconds to go and, um, like you say, eight versus first and um, yeah. we go in and, and uh, score the try and when he puts the ball up, don't know why he did that. but um... He was trying to waste time. That's what he <laughs> told us. We, we asked him, said, what, were you doing? what were you thinking? As I was, in my mind, I was trying to wind the clock down, yeah. <laughs> Four seconds. 
Oh gosh, but uh, yeah, in terms of a plan, we really that was probably not perfection, but we went about run it went about our footy um, and how we play our best, and that's how we approached the game, and we executed it perfectly on that day. Yeah, Witty was saying when he was on, um, he spoke about Manu in that in that particular play, a guy 110 kilos running down the sideline at full pace and being able to send a ball into your chest. Uh, yeah, like, you know, they hit him. Witty right on the chest for, for that try to happen. He said just an amazing amount of skill for such a big man. And that's what – so for us internally, we were really appreciative of the skill level that Manu – I uh, used to display on a week-to-week basis, and he worked extremely hard at that. Extremely hard. Mm. A lot of time after the after training sessions, catching, uh, passing, worked really hard on his game through that period of time. And yeah, Witty's exactly right. You know, you, you look, you think about that that vision. He's gone in between a couple of blokes and actually one-handed pass and it's sort of thread between two blokes and Witty's on the yeah. chest at full pace. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, Manu's career could have been anything, you know. I mean, uh, you know, he had that, that awful one night against Parramatta that time. and Yeah, one night. He, yeah, yeah, but one he – that, but if Ivan hadn't have kept with him, like he could have been sent back to reserve grade and, and never been the player that we were able to – see him de- uh, develop into so yeah. yeah yeah i mean you know that's kudos to Ivan for having the faith in him but manu for you know the work that he put in to his own game as well to become yeah you know just keeps used to keep turning up wing- yeah. yeah yeah absolutely he worked really hard on his fitness as well manu on skin folds and that bloke with his shirt off geez yeah he was ripped <laughs> yeah, <it> was shredded <laughs> Mate, um, the following week, we head back to Mount Smart Stadium for uh, another of those iconic semi-final blackout games uh, against the Roosters, uh, a 30-13 to th- uh, 13 victory um, that night. Uh, what do you remember about that experience of that um, blackout night? Well, it was way better than the, than the Parramatta one, that's for sure. <laughs> way better. <laughs> <laughs> we, played, we, played a, we played a hell of a lot better as well. Um yeah, there was some good things. So my my dad was at the at the Roosters at that, at that time as the football manager. So um, there was a couple of times throughout that year we played the Roosters thirty two all that game thirty two all where Witty kicked the two field yep. goals. Oh, yeah, what a game that was! Yeah, yeah, okay. that was amazing. Yeah, that was a that was a classic. That always features on the Fox Sports Classics. Yeah, it that does. One. Yeah, I, yeah, I was lucky yeah. enough to be at that game. It was just draining at the end. You just like even yeah. as a spectator, you're just exhausted because it was such an epic game. Oh, everyone was just out on their feet. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we had some really good encounters, or some good encounters through it throughout the year. And, and my dad was was at the Roosters at that time. So, you know, that was that was pretty special to come up against the old man in, in a semi final. He's at the other club, and and again, blackout at home. We played played excellent that that night. I remember, you know, Aiden Kirk, another guy that that um, that worked his ass off and. From the Roosters days, Kirky was with us at the Roosters as well and got an opportunity through that final series and, again, just played exceptionally well. Um, he scored a, scored a great try in that game to sort of seal it and um, just a really good team performance, actually, that game, if I, if I think about that. And, and um, it just felt like we were never going to lose. You know, Rubes does that run off the kickoff and runs clean over CR and knocks yeah. him out. 
that kind of set the tone for the game. And that was that was a reflection of how we were approaching our game. At that time, like I said before, we were clear on when we were at our best and, you know, when we were at our best, we were aggressive and we played that way. And, and I think that the Roosters were really surprised about our intent and our ag- aggression at that time and they couldn't keep up with us. That, um, that run back from that uh, kick return by uh, Ruben, um, that features on a lot of highlight reels as well. Where were you in relation to uh, on the field when that happened? Were you close to that or were you on the far side of the field? I think I was on the bench actually at that time. Yeah, oh. I, was, I was super subbing then. I... I got dropped through. I got dropped mid-season. Had three games in Reggie's, and I came back. I think Wade got suspended, and Lance was playing fullback, so I was super subbing. So I used to come off the bench and play in the halves, and Feeney would go back to hooker. So, yeah, I was on the bench because it was. I think it was the first round of the game. Was it? Maybe. No, no, no. It's after after, after try. After 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 try. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't on the field, but I remember just going, "Wow, the whole earth has just shattered." Because he, he was, they say that he was yelling Sparta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that game there is forever etched in Warriors history. And you ask any Warriors fan, it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, game. Like the, you mentioned, we, we spoke about the crowd before, but that atmosphere that night. Every other guest we've had that played in that game said it was just unreal. The atmosphere that night. Yeah, and it was just. I watched it back again during the week on YouTube, and it just was really hostile. It must yeah, have been yeah. awesome to play play in front of that crowd. Oh yeah, it was amazing. It was the different key difference between that and the Parramatta game is we we were having success, and again that was a rivalry with the Roosters. You know, if you you think back at some of the big games that the, with the Warriors and the Roosters during that time, you know, there was a grand final not that long before that, and. Um, there were some big collisions there. I think Ned Caddick and Arwen as well. So there was, yeah. Yeah. you know, th- those things really add to the environment and the atmosphere at that time. And so um, I'm pretty sure Willie Mason was at the Roosters then too, and he was a bit of a big yeah, mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those things add to the environment and probably the hostility of the crowd at that time. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, unreal, unreal night. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. never forget that one. Um Unfortunately, though, the next week we, we come up against a red-hot Manly team um, and, and we bow out in the prelim final. But 2008, still a successful season for the club. Um, you mentioned Wade McKinnon before. Well, his return from suspension saw a reshuffle for that game with Lance Ohio uh, moving back to the bench, which unfortunately meant that you missed out for that game. So it must have been a tough one for, to watch from the sidelines, that one. Yeah, it was. Well... It was uh, it was one of them games, like you say. You know, Manly went on and did the same thing to Melbourne the week after. They were just red hot. Mm. They were red hot. Um, you know, we we did make some changes. Wade come back into the team. Probably, you know, looking back, oh, you know, I don't know if, if Ivan would do things differently, but you know that combination with with Lance at that time he was playing excellent at at the fullback position um but when you've got someone like Wade coming back in and and his performance performances during that time then it makes sense to bring him in but i i you know we we if we brought our best game on that day i feel like manly was still going to bit win they they were unstoppable during that period like literally unstoppable 
Um, they caught fire. Everything they did, I remember just everything they did that night. It just it just came off. Everything they did, and you know we could have done, we could have played our best footy, and and um, things could have come off, and and they still would have beat us. So sometimes you have them games where you where you prepare really well, um, everything's going your way, and the opposition are just too good, and they were that on that night. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, mate, that was 2008 was your final season at the Warriors. Uh, when did you make the decision to sign with the Cowboys? And how do you look back at your time wearing a Warriors jersey? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a weird time. So um, the Roosters actually were talking to me after the semi-final. And so there was a fair bit of talk about sort of going back there i had a long term i still had two years to run on my contract at the warriors um you know the club weren't showing any signs of of you know change in direction uh that's for sure so there were some inquiries made from the roosters during that time and they're actually really keen but i was settled in in new zealand um my wife was eight months pregnant with with our first born at that time lola um, so we, we were really settled in New Zealand. So, yeah, I didn't really think anything of the of the offer from the Roosters at that period of time. And then, you know, come to the end of the season, we always do a season review and, and the players come in. And, and during that period of time, it's probably probably a decision made by the by the uh, by the management and the coaching staff at that time. They wanted to go in a different direction. So. And I, and I was part of that. And, that, and that's just the nature of professional sport. And, and I really respected the way that the club handled that situation. You know, Ivan and I have maintained a solid relationship, still in contact now. And he was just really upfront and honest with me. That, you know, at the end of the year, it's sort of the same process. We go in there and we do medicals and then we sit down and, and do a bit of a review of our season from a personal perspective. Yep. And, um, you know, you get feedback about these are the things you did well and this is what we want to work on. And, and during that, that conversation, um, you know, Ivan just came straight out and just said, look, I think it's time for you to um, to go and learn off someone else. So, you know, Ivan at that period of time was the longest coach I've ever had in my whole career outside of my dad. So he coached me all the time at the Roosters and all that time at the Warriors, you know, probably about 120 odd games in that period of time and a lot of my senior footy. So, he just sat down and said, I think it's time for you to go and learn from somewhere else, someone else. And, uh, you know, I respected the honesty and and um, the conversation at the time, but you're not prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for it at all. So it's kind of like, oh, shit, does that mean we need to move? And, and like I said, I, I loved our time in Auckland. Um, you know, our daughter was just being born. I got some really – had some good relationships. Uh, you know, Tate and I used to live around the corner from each other. I was living next door to Stacey Jones. Like, you know, that's a bit of a childhood sort of dream yeah. as well. Jones, Jones is my next door neighbour and we used to go and have beers every every Tuesday afternoon and he's just a great bloke. So, you know, all those sort of things sort of go through your mind and it was just probably a state of shock at that period of time because I just wasn't thinking that, that that was the position of the club and and so that conversation happened with a couple of pl- players at that time. I think I think Witty was, was yeah, very Witty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and 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 again, I just have to respect the club because, you know, they they had to make some decisions based on what was best for the club, and and they went and did that. And um, you know, in the end, 
I didn't have anything at that period of time, and, and Ivan said it, they weren't exactly kicking us out, but it was like if you can go find another club, then then you're welcome to go and do that. So mm. it was it was a bit of a weird time. Um, I went went and had some time off, and we're talking to some sort of some clubs in that period, and um, it was really funny. I went over to Michael Luck's wedding, um, and I didn't actually. I didn't actually have any conversations with the Cowboys at that period of time at all. But then when I got back from Lucky's wedding, I pretty much signed that week. So people were going, oh, what was going on over there? And it wasn't like that at all. I literally just went over there for, for Lucky's wedding and um, and then come back and, yeah, the Cowboys rang. And it, it made sense for me. I I had a dream of playing in the NRL, but also had a dream of playing playing for the North Queensland Cowboys. I was a fan of the club, and I'm from the area. So when they call up and there's an opportunity to go there, I, I sort of jumped at it. Um, so I did that. The club was the Warriors in, were awesome during that period of time because, like I said, uh, Lola was born in New Zealand, um, so we couldn't travel. So I did the first four four week block signed at the Cowboys training at the Warriors. Um, I'm not sure if that would ever happen again or has happened before. So, yeah, I've got to thank the club for that because they could have just said, oh, well, no. Um, But, yeah, because we had a good relationship and a good working relationship, then we just just got it done. You know, I came to train and we were professional and and I had to prepare for a season. That was at an opposition club. But, um, yeah, the, the, the club, the Warriors at that time were great during that period and they were really supportive of our family that's awesome yeah, yeah fantastic yeah it's great yeah. yeah yeah that's awesome yeah it was yeah they made a big deal of it they made a big deal of um they did a, a bit of a um a function at the club there and put some highlight highlights up and some people came in and talked and um lauren was there and, and lola was there as a, as a little bub and yeah they did a presentation so all those things it was really important i think you know, I think about my own experience now and running a business and how you treat people and you, you reflect on those times there and it's a really good example of, of looking after your staff really yeah. and looking yep. after your players and you know, there's no there's no secret that they were successful during that period and, and Ivan is successful moving forward because that's the type of person he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, abs- abs- yeah definitely. Um, just back on the 2008 season, um, a young kid by the name of Sonny Fi debuts in round two. Um, what was Sonny like to play alongside? Oh, Sonny, I think I've probably asked the question of a lot of people and straight away, you know, smile comes to your face. It's a really fun bloke. We had a lot of time on Guitar Hero, Sonny and I. We used to, have, <laughs> we used to get Guitar Hero in at the club there and... Yeah, we used to get it, get it up on the big screen in the auditorium there and play Guitar Hero for like hours and, and uh, yeah, it was good fun. He's just a, such a fun bloke and, yeah, his talent was obvious on the field. He was an absolute freak. You know, he, he played, he debuted outside me as a centre. He's a back rower his whole junior career and yep. he just, you just passed him the ball and just let him go. He, he was so strong and powerful. Uh, in the gym, he was the strongest there. He was he was benching like 180 kilos as an 18 year old, just a, mm. just a absolute freak of a human being, and um, and just a great great guy to go with it. Just really humble, just like all the other boys, really humble. Come you know, humble beginnings. Family's number one. 
um, anything outside of that, their teammates, they put everyone everyone else first. And Sonny was the same. He was just a really, you know, decent young man. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he would have had a long career in the NRL and would have been very popular and he would have been a leader at the club, no doubt, for a long period of time. Just just a really unfortunate event, that. Yeah. And just was, shocking. Yeah. I, I was going to say in my notes, um, I've got that you would have been in Townsville, but just from what you said, you would have still been in New Zealand then when he had his accident and passed away. No, I, I left, so I left just before they, they returned to the first week of training and that's when it happened. I, I was at the care. I was at the care. was my first day was that when that happened. Yeah. How did you, how did you handle that? Like the other boys were dealing with that loss together, but having been a teammate of Sonny and now you're over in Australia, you know, thousands of kilometers away at North Queensland. How did you deal with that loss personally? Oh, I don't think you deal with it at all. It just, I remember Lucky calling me. I just didn't think it was real. You just don't think it's real. It's not real. And it, it wasn't real for those guys and they were there. And it wasn't real for me and I wasn't there. It was just a really weird experience. Yeah. It just, I, I don't know how those guys handled it being there you know going to the beach and just a huge amount of respect for them and for the courage shown of those guys and the support they they showed for the family at that time like literally just going straight from training out to the beach to try and search for it for him yeah you know just that in itself like that would have been that would have been daunting you know like what are you going to find when you're out there yeah that's sort of the things that go through my mind and um it would have been horrific to be there. It was, like I said, a really weird experience at the time. I was, you know, Lucky called me and was telling me what was going on, and you just don't think it's going to happen. You just think he's going to turn up. Yeah. That's what you think. It is, it, no, he'll be fine. It's sunny. Well, he's so strong and, you know, he's yeah. he's unbreakable. We, um, Steve Price spoke quite candidly about the emotions that he went through at that time, and without going into too much detail, we'll send you a link of what he said because uh, he got a tattoo done in honour yeah. of Sonny um, and it, it revolves around a turtle, uh, uh, old turtle being found on the beach. Yeah. Um, it was quite emotional when he told us and I kind of teared up and I still tear up a little bit now. And I, I didn't know Sonny, um, but I still tear up a little bit now when I watch that clip. But we'll, we'll send that to you privately so you can have a yeah, look at cool. that. And, um, yeah, it was just a wonderful little story that Pricey shared with us when when he was on here yeah price is really close was close to sunny and uh, it's one of price's qualities that he used to grab a hold of the young guys uh coming through the coming through and they had a they had a strong relationship and they were very close uh we yeah. price used to do these dress-up parties at his place and i remember sunny coming to this dress-up party yeah was singing the venga bus and ah oh, mate yeah good times <laughs> he told us that was story. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. good, good good time so yeah it was probably hit pricey oh you know everyone was very upset but yeah pricey um was very close to to sunny and and i know that that he was um yeah pretty hitting pretty hard yeah yeah well, well thanks to thanks to johnny kololo who donated us this this jersey um sunny five will always be a part of this show yeah, yeah cool. and, um yeah, very fortunate and blessed to have this jersey with his signature and with your signature on it as well. And um, yeah, like I said, a huge, a huge loss to the club. He was going to have an awesome career ahead of him. And um, where's yeah, Grant? Not... 
Where's Grant's signature on that, mate? Can you pick it out? Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon. I reckon that's your signature. There is it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. yeah. <laughs> nice. Right. Yep. Sunny and Grant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you know, we we appreciate you sharing those thoughts, and obviously, it's a very it's a very tough topic to, to talk about. But yeah, like every year, you know, we we honour we honour Sunny and in January, yeah. and um, yeah, we'll we'll never forget him. As he's always part of the club. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as you said, you you moved on to Townsville, uh, back to the Cowboys. Um, it must have been good though for you to finally get home. You touched on it before, but to finally get home and play for the club, kind of where it all started for you. Yeah, it's one of those. It's a weird. It's one of those things. I remember as a fifteen-year-old, um, started to get a little bit serious about footy. Definitely wasn't one of the more talented kids. I just worked really hard on my game and worked really hard around training and made some sacrifices. And I remember on my school hat, I um I, wrote, I, wrote, I drew a Cowboys jersey with a number seven on it, and that was that was a, a bit of a, a milestone in terms of you know this is when I'm well, this is what I'm going for and this is what I'm visualising doing and. Um, for people that might have known me at that time, we just thought that's ridiculous. You know, I, I was only just playing. I think I just made my first Mackay rep team at that period of time. So, you know, I wasn't making Queensland teams or anything like that. But that was a moment for me to go, I'm going to give this a crack and put everything into it. And um, so to what do it sort of 15 years later and go back to go back home, uh, 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 you know, I guess, go back home and be able to, you know, put that jersey on, it, yeah, definitely meant a lot to me outside of, you know, my debut game, that's probably one game that's really special to me in, in terms of, you know, the debut game was, was very similar, a culmination and a lot of hard work. But, um, you know, the Cowboys one was very similar in terms of, you know, all of those things that, that you think about and, and the sacrifices that you make and, um, you know, that real achievement or sense of achievement to be able to actually achieve the, what you set out to do. It was really special. Interestingly, during your two seasons at the Cowboys, you never actually get to play against the Warriors. Um, do you regret not being able to have played against them, or at least return to to Mount Smart going there against them? Yeah, I bloody hated that. <laughs> I don't know why King. St- I don't know why King didn't pick me for them games. I was. I used to hate that. Uh, yeah, I I did hate that. I I I would I would have loved to have gone back. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why I, you know, I probably didn't play well enough the week before, <laughs> to be honest, maybe, I don't know, I'm sort of, I'm blowing up at King here, but, um, but yeah, it's probably up to me around my performance, but yeah, I, I did, I re- regret's probably the wrong word because, um, but yeah, I would have, I would have loved that. Yeah. I, I would have really enjoyed that. It would have been great, but yeah, I didn't get the opportunity, so. Yeah. Yeah. During those two seasons, though, when you weren't playing in top grade, you'd play for the Mackay Cutters in the Queensland Cup. Um, how did you enjoy that experience? Yeah, I loved it. I loved being back at being playing playing for the Cutters. I, you know, a bit of a footy geek. So growing up, my dad used to coach the Mackay Rep teams, and um, you know, my heroes growing up were people on TV like all the other people. But my heroes growing up were a lot of the local league players. Like I used to go down and. 
you know, watch some of these guys and model my game off them and, and um, you know, watch the Mackay rep teams. Mackay was very successful in the Foley Shield, very successful in, in the in the um, State Cup and those types of things before they went into the Queensland Cup. And, you know, I was away at the Warriors when they went into Queensland Cup and my younger brother was playing. So we used to go, we used to watch a couple of the games when we were in Aussie at the same time. And, um, you know, sort of had strong connections still there. So, yeah, that was, that was a... A, yeah, cool thing to do. It was great to go back there and represent uh, the region that I grew up in playing and, and obviously I was playing NRL at that time. So, um, you know, I got to play with some young guys that I sort of knew from school and and um, and go back there and play in front of the home crowd. It was, it was very special. Yeah, mate. At the end of the 2010 Cowboys uh, – end of 2010 season, sorry, your Cowboys contract ends. Did you think of re-signing – or looking at other options in the NRL or the Super League at that time? Yeah, so I had an offer from Hull KR and Hull FC. Yeah, at the time, Hull FC, Craig Fitzgibbon was over there, and, and I knew Craig from the from the Roosters, and we were pretty close. And Craig's an excellent, excellent guy, um, was one of those senior players that kind of mentored the young blokes, and he, he did that for me at the Roosters, so we had a good relationship. And... So we were in pretty close contact probably for the last six weeks of the season at the Cowboys. And um, it was it was a reasonable offer, but I just had this I just had this feeling at that time that I, I you know, we'd moved to New Zealand, we had a great time there, Lola was born there, um, my wife was was doing pretty well in her career and it just felt like time was up in terms of tr- chasing the dream still and um, I had, while I would have would have liked to have played a hundred games and and done those milestones and a couple of other things in the NRL, I just felt like it was the right time to to focus on family and go back and get a career and and focus on that. We weren't necessarily going to. The plan wasn't to go back to Mackay at that time. We were actually wanting to stay in Townsville, and because uh, my wife had a good job there, and I was just looking for employment really. But um, so in the end, I, I declined the offer for for the Super League, and it wasn't really a hard decision in the end. And that might sound really weird, um, and I don't ever I don't look back and reflect on that and think, oh, I regret not doing that. I actually, where I am now, and and where where we've come, and, and my career outside of footy, I, I look back at that and just think that was a really smart, mature decision at that time, and. Like I said, I just felt like it was time to to um, to go and focus on the family and not try and chase the dream anymore. I was probably mentally a little bit cooked um, around, you know, playing as a halfback and, and um, week to week in the NRL. There's a lot of pressure that goes with that as well. And I, I just was at that stage in my life where I, I just wanted to, to move on, really, and that was that's the honest truth and I think that's one of the smartest decisions I've made and um, you know I was lucky enough to to go back to Mackay and, and get into a into a business um, that I'm still in now that are really supportive and um, I'm, I'm in it now and, and in a leadership role and if I didn't make that decision then I wouldn't be this far progressed in my career right now yeah that's a good way of looking at things but you weren't you weren't entirely lost to the game of rugby league. In, in 2011, you captain the Kai Cutters in the Queensland Cup. Uh, you were named in the Queensland resident side that beat New South Wales 32-6. to 6. 
and then in 2012 you captained the resident side um you spoke about little uh proud moments at the beginning when we first started talking to you there obviously some proud moments for you at the back end of your career yeah and you talk about you know mature decisions about going back and, and choosing your sort of professional life and focusing on on family well like there's that i didn't stop playing footy and that was that was yeah. really important to me and it was really important to me to go back and give back to where i came from and that was the motivation there with that i good coaches there anthony seabell was our coach at the time and he was an excellent coach uh we had a stack of young juniors that were from the area that were coming through the cutters at that time so I was just really motivated to go back there and be successful and help them young guys come through and give back to the local community. And, and um, you know, I was lucky enough to play in the residence and that was awesome and lucky enough to, to captain the team as well. And we had, you know, back-to-back wins. And, again, some excellent coaches. Kevy Carmichael uh, was our coach in 2011 and Paul Green was, uh, was our coach in 2012. And... Uh, Greeny was great. Greeny was an excellent mentor and, and, and a really good coach and someone that I got along with well with and, and had a relationship outside of that. And when I was playing at the Cutters, you know, I had a bit of a leadership role with some of the y- younger Cowboys coming back as well to try and help them, you know, understand the NRL system and mentor those guys. So actually, actually enjoyed that period of time and, and that leadership in and around some of those mentoring and as well as playing a key role and still playing yeah. on the field, um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a they were fond memories for sure. And you know, whenever you chuck on a, a Queensland jersey, it's always a proud moment. We sort of we played before the Origin team, and at that time, a lot of my mates that I grew up with were playing in that really successful era. You know, talking about David Shillington before, he's one of my good mates and still is now. So he was playing then and. Guys like Sam Thider and JT and Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, they're all the same age as me and we played against each other and grew up together in rep teams over a long period of time. So to be in and around in those camps while I wasn't in the Origin team, it was still pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, 2013, though, you retired from the Intrust Cup and played for the South Sharks in the Mackay A-grade competition and you captained the side there in grand final successes in 2013 and 2014 and a grand, grand final loss in 2015. So, obviously, you enjoyed getting back to the grassroots of footy. Well, it was bloody hard. <laughs> Local footy is way harder than the NRL and harder than Q Cup. I can say that because I've done all of them. And it was tough. It was. I say this to people. I talk about Shiloh and talk, talk to Tatey as well and – I was like, oh, I want to go back and play local for. I was like, mate, don't do it. It's tough. It's hard. I, you know, some of these guys that, some of the guys in that competition at that time, Mackay, were former NRL players. We played Moranbar in one of those grand finals, or two of the grand finals, and one of the grand finals, the Moranbar front row was Jamin Lowe and Shane Tronk. Oh yeah, oh, right. Wow. <laughs> so there were some impressive players running around that competition, and um, it's a lot slower in local footy, so they can grab a hold hold of you. <laughs> And there's not so many people protecting me, so I don't have a Ruben Wiki next to me protecting me, right? So um, I can easily be be got at, and I'm an easy target. So uh, in saying that, I really enjoyed my time there. Again, playing at South, where I played most of my junior football, we had, I think, 13 juniors playing at the club at that time. Uh, one of my good mates that I played junior footy with since under 12s was in the grant was in those teams with me as well as a front rower and. 
yeah, so they, those are fond memories and, and a great time. My old man was the was running the club at the time. He'd come back from the Roosters, so that was that family connection. And my brother came and played as well. So, yeah, it was excellent times. And, again, talking about giving back to, to sort of the local footy and, um, yeah, that was part of it as well and something that I really enjoyed. Do you find because you're an NRL player, you've got a target on your back in the – those local competitions, so that's what makes it harder. Because I know when I played local um, Penrith A grade and first graders had come back in to play the, the local comp, they'd, they'd have a target on their back. We, they're just the guys that you'd, you'd just want to smash, uh, let them know that they will back playing with, um, you know, in, in the local comp, they weren't being looked after in the NRL. Is that kind of what it is or is it just harder footy because, as you said, there's you don't have a Ruben Wiki protecting uh, standing next to you, protecting you. He's not, he's not taking you out training either and breaking two of your ribs before you play. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's a bit of, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, naturally, um, when good players come back, even if they're Q Cup players, uh, people want to prove themselves and and make a point. So I think there was a bit, a bit of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> mate, you um, you make a re- surprise return to the Intrust Super Cup uh, with Mackay in 2016. Um, it's in your blood. It's just hard to give it away, isn't it? <laughs> Jeez, you blokes have done some research. Where, yeah. where, where did you pull this from? No, I um. Mate, so when I finish, when I finish it, we so... ourselves on is we get all our research done properly so that you know we look smarter than we really are. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. no, it's uh, it's pretty pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Nice. So at at the end of uh, South, I was asked by the cutters to to come on the board there and uh be on the board of directors at the cutters so i think that was a really good opportunity for me in you know my professional life outside of footy as well as still having a toe in it and you know when you get into those positions it's really grassroots yeah you're on the board of directors but you're you know you're out there on game day and trying to help and, and raise money for the club. And, uh, you know, the Cutters are, don't have a leagues club behind them, so it's basically fed by the local community. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was asked to do that and got into that. And it was um, – I really enjoyed that, actually. And, and out of that, I end up playing. I was probably – I'm probably the only board member that's ever played while being on the on the board of the club because we, we literally were running out of players. So we, we got injuries throughout the year and the coach at the time, uh, I knew him quite well and I was supporting him and trying to help him out and coming down to train. And then he said to me, oh, you know, we're getting a bit thin. You better start training. And I thought, thought it was a joke, but with about eight weeks to go, he uh, he said, yeah, you need to start training. So I started training and, yeah, it, it just sort of worked out. Greeny was at the Cowboys at the time and was calling and they sort of needed a bit of guidance for some of their younger guys coming back because it wasn't the best environment with, you know, having all these injured, injured players and trying to get NRL players prepared for them to go up. So, yeah. When you sort of get those phone calls for someone like Greeny and from the club, it's it's hard to say no. And uh, I'm so happy I did it. I, I'm really happy I did that because, like I said before, that three years of playing local footy was bloody tough and it was enjoyable, but it was tough. Yeah. And it was great to go back there and just enjoy the last eight games of the season, playing at that level again, playing with the young guys in the NRL and probably a little bit of 
you know, oh, yeah, I've still half got it type thing at the same time, you know. <laughs> and um, But it was really enjoyable. I, I, I really, really enjoyed that period of time. And uh, when you get a bit older, you're a bit mature and you can sort of get around the field and not get yourself in, in too much drama and um, and you have a bit more of an understanding of, of the game at that time. So I'm, I'm really happy I got that opportunity to be able to play when I was at that level and at that sort of age where I could sort of do those things. So, yeah, I was really, really appreciative of the opportunity that was that was given to me to be able to do that. You, you I think we won five out of eight, actually, just quietly too. Yeah, I think you did too. Yeah. <laughs> you um, you retire at the end of 2016 eventually, uh, finally. <laughs> um, it's a, how do you look back on your rugby league journey? Because it's one of those – it's one that's really unique. I don't know if you realise this or not, but you know, you kind of you you kind of went full circle. You you finished where you started, um, and you're one of the few players that we've spoken to. You, the only player we've spoken to um, who actually finished their career and then went back and probably played longer in the local competition than they did in their NRL um, days. It's yeah, it's a it's a wonderful story of you know someone giving back to their community and um, one that we've really been privileged to to help tell to to all our listeners on um, on our yeah. podcast and our webcast. But uh, yeah, you must look back on your career with a lot of fond memories. Yeah, I just I, I just feel I feel extreme level of extreme gratitude and privilege to be able to be able to do the things that I've done, the opportunities that I've had throughout that, throughout that period and, um, you know, built a successful career in, in a professional sense on the field, but then that's helped me off the field. So some of the things that, that I learned through that period of time because of the mentors and the leaders that were, you know, in teams with me like Pricey and Ricky Stewart and Ivan Cleary and Phil Gould and Neil Henry and um, Jonathan Thurston and, you know, all those guys that, that you play with, that you learn off is those things are, they're hard, they're hard to, they're hard to teach. They're hard to um, have those experiences. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And I, I'm just so thankful that I got that opportunity and it's definitely set myself up for after footy as well. So um, yeah, I just feel really privileged to be able to do that. And like you say, I, yeah, I spent a, I was lucky enough to, as a 17-year-old, to go pretty much straight into reserve grade and stay at that level just about my whole career. And then at the end, you know, play play three three years at, of um, of local footy. It's a, it's a pretty cool journey. And, and um, yeah, like I said, I just feel really appreciative of, of the of the opportunities that have been given to me. Yeah, that's, that's kind of – when you ask that question, I just think about that straight away. Just, yeah, grateful and just appreciative. And it's been a great ride love it and you know those relations the the key thing is relationships and you know this respect of your teammates and the players that you play with and and i still have you know good connections with a lot of those guys now you know regularly in in battle text with tady and gaddis and lucky and um i've been playing in those legends games with uh with pricey and benny hannett and jeremy smith and you know, that's just – you go back and play those things and I was a little bit apprehensive, but once you get in there and the boys, you're just one of the boys and at some stage we've run into each other or we've played against each other as a story and and there's a connection and, and there's a just level of respect and it's like it's just that brotherhood and just that mateship that you have regardless of 
how many games you played or what you've done in your career. You, it just, it's just like this this group of people that just have respect because you played the game rugby league, and I love that. Yeah, mate, you, you've alluded a couple of times in regards to your post rugby league career. What is it you actually do now in um, post rugby league? So I work at Aon. So Aon's as a, a professional services, financial services firm around risks. So don't get too complicated in it. Um, foundation is in commercial insurance broking. So, you know, businesses come to us and, and we talk to them about the risk in their business and, and talk to them about how we um, how we can transfer that risk and set set it up for, for their business. That's, that's what I've been doing really. And um yeah, I've been able to, to go through the, the ranks pretty quickly. And so I lead the Queensland and Northern Territory business at the moment. So we got branch locations from Northern Territory all the way through to Byron Bay, which I'm responsible for. And, and there's about 100 people in that and 14 locations or whatever it is. So um, there's a fair bit of fun and a fair bit of travel in and around that as well. And um, something that I really enjoy, I um, like I said before, I certainly take all the lessons I've learnt from a lot of people over the over the journey in my football career and I apply some of those things in the professional space now. Yep. It's good. Have you ever had the urge to get involved in coaching or have you done a bit of coaching on the side? Yeah, I did. I coached the cutters under 20s and cutters under 18s when I was on the board there and, yeah, I loved it. It was great. We had, we had some good success. We went to a grand final with the under 20s against Redcliffe in that first in the inaugural under 20s competition for the for the Q calf and we, we got beaten and then in the under 18s a year later we got knocked out by Norse and Norse won the comp the week after so um yeah had some success around coaching and I really enjoyed that as well and that's probably one thing I miss about being down in Brizzy I've been in Brizzy three years because of well, because of work I don't have that that uh, natural commitment to, to football anymore, but my kids are getting to an age now where they're starting to, to play sport themselves. So we're sort of running them around and the young fellow wants to play tackle footy next year. So I'll naturally imagine that I'm going to be coaching that team. Yep. Sounds like it. And, you know, you can always, now that you're in Brizzy, you can always head across to Redcliffe and stick your head in the door at the Warriors, mate, and uh, give them a, a little, give their halves a little bit of uh, coaching over there if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um I look I think I think the club's in, in reasonable hands. I think it's a really tough period, certainly being in Australia. I just don't know how they've been able to manage that and you know, I I really uh, if I look back on Toddy Payton's time in the back end of the year, you know, the previous year was really special. He, he got the team playing, and, and I think all of us are really proud of what happened during that period. You know, Absolutely. former player, yeah. um, there was a lot of us that were, were looking at the group and, and uh, were really proud of what they were able to achieve. So I think the club's in good hands. It'd just be great to see him back at Mount Smart in front yeah, of the yeah. faithful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important. Next- yeah. yeah, I, I just—I'm really hopeful that the NRL support su- support the Warriors and trying to get—you know—I don't know if they back end a lot of games at Mount Smart, Smart, but I just kind of feel like there needs to be a, a concerted effort or focus in and around yeah. Auckland and 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 getting rugby league back on the map locally there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, well I know we wear blue these days, but it'll be great to have another blackout, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, bloody yeah. Both. yeah. <laughs> A magic round, a magic round at Auckland would be awesome. Yeah, 
Oh, that'd be cool. Sign me up. I'll be there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll all be there. <laughs> that'd be that'll be a fantastic weekend. Uh, okay, Grant, I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions that we ask all of our guests while Hammer here uh, scrolls through the comments section for some of our um, viewer questions as well. So yeah, okay. rapid-fire questions. Who was your toughest teammate? Rubes. Rubes. Rubes, awesome. no doubt. Man, because he broke my ribs. I was just going to say the ribs. <laughs> ribs are testament to that. <laughs> there's a bit of a story with Rubes. So we're talking about toughest teammates. He had – he um, – he broke in and boils on his back. We were playing the Gold Coast. He shouldn't have played, and sounds disgusting, but he had he had boils all over his back, and he was in excruciating pain. He made our trainer Dano like strap him up and strap him around. They were oozing. It was they were all infected. He played he played like seventy five minutes a game and absolutely killed it. Yeah, yeah ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> tough man. So. And played through numerous amounts of injuries, and yeah, yeah. He, was, he was he was really tough. Jeez, oh, boils. Um, who was the best sledger that you played with or against? Yeah, Webby was pretty good, as I mentioned before. <laughs> From the fullback position, like twenty meters away, giving it to blokes. He <laughs> was prolific. He used to well. do it every game. Him and him and um, him and Willie Mason used to get into each other all game. That's what that uh, that whole Harker thing was about, wasn't it? In that yeah. test match, yeah, it was about yeah. Brent. He was giving it back to Brent Webb, but it came across that he was he was um, not being respectful to the Harker or something like that. And nah, I heard him say, it to hey, him and Webb used to get into it every game. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was your toughest opponent? Oh, Tony Carroll. He uh, one day I think I made like 30, 35 tackles against the Broncos. So. Uh, Brett Seymour, who we went to school together, we played in the halves together at our school team. He was a halfback for the Broncos, and I was half for the Warriors. And he sent Tony Carroll at me all day. Yeah, <laughs> Tanza. Oh, Tanza, <laughs> hey. Yeah. Who was the most professional in regards to game prep? Hmm. Had the Warriors. I reckon it was witty. Okay. Yeah. He used to okay. polish his boots before every game. They were polish immaculate. Oh, yeah. Nice. It worked. 64 from 67 yeah. that season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it the yeah. only missed like four kicks in 2008, wasn't it? Four yeah, that was it. Yeah. He used to practice so much, boys. Yeah, so no, he, he said he put in a bit of practice. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. He did. He's understated when he's saying that he put in a bit of practice. He used to practice a lot. His commitment... <laughs> His commitment was honourable. It was good. There was there was a reason behind his success. He used to yeah. practice. Yeah. Master of his craft. Um, who was the best trainer? Hmm. This is a tough one. Oh, I, I geez, yeah, it's probably an easy one actually. Jonathan Thurston was the best I've seen. Yeah. He he was un, un unbelievable, unbelievably fit. Yeah, Tady said that as well, didn't he? he said he, yeah, he, 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 did. he, he turned to training, hung over, and just blitzed everyone. Yeah. Freakish. <laughs> he would just turn uh, up. He could turn up after an all-nighter and blitz everyone and run up. Yeah, his, his Castle Hill runs, he's he's renowned for his Castle Hill runs. He's, he's uh, ridiculous up there. I don't know how he does it. He's just, yeah, he's like a bloody mountain goat. <laughs> 
jeez. Oh, I saw I saw Chad Townsend's blog, uh, vlog during the week. He's just joined the Cowboys and saw there was a bit of footage of him doing that. I was like, oh, jeez. I think they yeah. did it twice. Yeah. I had to write up it with Billy Johnson when I first came back from the Warriors and I didn't know how to use um, clips on the bike and I just kept falling off, just like falling. Boom. <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah, and he just left me there. He left me. He's like, Ravelli, you're hopeless. I'm gone. And just left me. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. I was on, I was on Ash Graham's bike because I didn't have a bike. I, I, I got there and straight away I was like, oh, you have to go for a ride with Billy. And I was like, oh, no. You know, it's going to be this massive ride. And it was. And I didn't know how to use the clips on the on the cleats. And I just kept like, you pull up to lights and I just see. Still. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you're not a fan of bikes these days? <laughs> oh, I learned how to use clips being at the Cowboys and training with Billy Johnson. Billy you have Johnson. to. Yeah. His reputation would have preceded him, yeah. yeah. Um, who was the team comedian? Oh, probably, <laughs> probably Gaddis. <laughs> probably Gaddis because we used to just hammer him all the time. <laughs> so he gave as good as he got, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's pretty He's pretty quick-witted, actually, Gaddis. And he was, he, was, he was quite good around the pranks as well. Like, he, we used to hammer him, but he was pretty good in retaliation. And he was he was pretty crafty. Yeah. Yeah, nice one. Uh, and who was the worst trainer? Oh, there were some bad ones. Frank Paul was – Frank Paul got kicked out because he was that bad. And then he turned up with the Roosters and he just was turned into this fitness fanatic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so Frank Paul was a kid when I was at the Warriors and he was he was an awful trainer. I remember Campo just ripping into him. <laughs> and he was terrible. He got like eight on the beep test or something awful. I, mean, I could get eight. <laughs> I was just thinking I think I was just thinking, who is this kid? Like what are they putting up with him for? You know, just thinking he's he's not he's no good and just doesn't have the right attitude. And then, like, three or four years later, he's playing at the Roosters. And, you know, he was great. He was a great player. Frank so called I think, the wrecking ball. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was – and um, he was a really nice fellow, Frank, as well. And it's probably a case of sometimes when you're in your own environment, you have this level of comfort and you actually need to be taken out of that. So I think that was a good example for Frank that that, that happened for him. Because if he had stayed yeah. there, he wouldn't have – he wouldn't have been – wouldn't have had the career he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, mate, just a couple of questions for you. Did you have, I mean, I know we spoke about the wearing the same undies for four weeks so you could score, uh, what, seven tries or something in four weeks, but did you have any pre-game rituals or any game day routines that you used to stick to? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I used to have this tiger tail that I used to take with me everywhere. I don't know where it came from. Was it George Gaddis's tiger tail, was it? Gaddis would never get anywhere near that tower. <laughs> His behind would never have got anywhere near any of my towers. But yeah, he's, I carried this tower around for 12 years, I think. I had it at school. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it come from. It was just this, yeah, security bank, yeah. But I was pretty... When I was, at, when I was playing in the NRL, I was, I was probably like around my preparation meticulous, but even like borderline too much. Like when I got a bit older, it was just obsess obsessive. You know, if I didn't do certain things and I'd have a bad game or I'd just have that in my head. And yeah, there's routines really important 
And yeah. it, it, you know, a lot of guys have probably said this routines is important, but you can take it too far. And I think, um, you know, upon reflection as a young bloke, I think I probably took some things too far, whereas I just needed to calm down and relax. But you sort of learn that when you get older and with maturity. So, yeah, I was doing some things that were just didn't make any sense, you know, sort of one boot on before the other and that yeah. type of weird shit. So, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah the towel was constant. Really like that. Yeah, yeah, the towel was constant. Who were your rugby league heroes growing up? I so I was a Bulldogs supporter because I loved Ewan McGrady because he did the chip kicks. Oh, yeah. So that was he was my oh, first yeah. hero. Bulldogs, and then I was a Manly supporter. I mentioned Owen Cunningham before. He's a yeah. family friend of ours, so followed followed him in his career. Went down to a couple of games or one game um, down in Manly. Dad took me down. And um, then Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns was, was my hero. Um, you know, I mentioned before about Newcastle my first try, and that was probably a, a special moment as well because he was playing in that game. And, um, yeah, I got to play, with, play against him a couple of times and, I think we we had some really good success against Newcastle, so yeah, um, he would have been yeah, your yeah, your your time at the club, yeah, yeah. So he was he was definitely one of my heroes and um, someone I watched a lot, a lot of. I um, Tim Sheens was our was a was the NRL coach at the Cowboys when I first went through the system, and he used to have this massive this this room, this little room, and um, it was full of VCR tapes, you know, the old tapes. And on yep. on the tapes, it had every like all the positions and combinations. So he had like a full. If you think about a bookcase. He had a full bookcase full of Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Andrew Johns, Matty Johns, like all the really good halves of that era in VCRs. And so I used to pretend to work because um, I had a traineeship at the Cowboys at the club, and I actually go just go and sit in there all day and watch the tapes and just <laughs> replay and yeah. replay and replay and replay. Um, so yeah, I watched a heap of Andrew Johns and Matty Johns and Aaron Payne and I were the halves for the Cowboys in reserve grade, and we used to try and pretend we were Matty Johns and Andrew Johns. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't play like him at all. <laughs> So who was Andrew and who was Maddie? Oh, well, I was probably the skinnier one, so I'd be Maddie. And um, Payne's always pr- been pretty dumpy, so I guess he was Joey. Chunky, yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty are... cool. I got to um, – Ivan set me up with, with Maddie Johns as a bit of a mentor when I was at the at the Warriors, him and him and Maddie are mates. And um, so I yeah. spent, spent a fair bit of time with, with Maddie and got to meet Andrew out of that and – formed a bit of a relationship and they helped me with my game. So that was pretty cool as well as, yeah, you know, awesome. Jonesy coming in there as well. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's, yeah, it's really cool. That. Yeah. Good. Um, if you didn't become an NRL player way back in the day, what career path do you think you would have gone into back in the early two thousands there? Oh, I was doing an electrical apprenticeship. And oh, that okay. might be too bizarre to people that know me because they're just thinking you're as, as handy as a Astrea on a motorbike, and that's true. <laughs> but that's what I was doing. I had a choice between leaving school and doing the electrical apprenticeship or staying at school and getting serious about footy, and I took um, option A and stayed at school and got serious about footy. I didn't get serious about my education. I stayed at school and got got serious about footy. How does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense at all. But that's what happened. 
Yeah, I, I did year 11 and 12 on Woody. Um, who was the biggest influence on your career? Oh, I'd have to be my dad. Yeah. Um, he was always a coach and, you know, memories as a young kid were at local footy on a Sunday with dad in the dressing room, just being in the shed and listening. Um, so I've always been a student of the game for that. I just, those things just come naturally to you and I think probably strengths around leadership and coaching and those things are formed out of, out of that, you know, just learning from osmosis yeah. being in and around it. And, um, so that was me. I used to ball boy every Sunday and, and go with, go to dad with train on Tuesdays and Thursdays and yeah, in the sheds on, on a Sunday, that was my life growing up. And I look back on that with really fond memories. And so, and dad coached us at school as well. And then, you know, outside of that, probably Ivan, Ivan was the other one. I sort of had him for about six years of my career. So yeah, those two pretty, pretty easy. We've got him on in two weeks. We'll let him know you said that. Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. Ivan. Ivan. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he wouldn't be surprised by that. Well, maybe he might. <laughs> Grant, we um we really want to thank you for coming on uh, and chatting with us uh, so candidly tonight. It's It's been entertaining. I'll, I'll say that, mate. It, uh, it's some funny stories there. Um, we, we really love being able to connect to uh, our past players and give them a platform to share their stories. Uh, we do have a saying here on Ruin Hammer that, those who have played for our club are forever and always, and you made a forever and always Warrior 127. So thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. No, it's been cool. Thanks, guys. It's it's a great – I really enjoy the opportunity to come and talk, and um, I'm a very proud ex-Warrior player, same as the other guys. I think you would get that from everybody that's played at the club, and yeah. I absolutely love my time at the club and I really appreciate appreciative of the opportunities it's given me. Right, we appreciate your time. It's it's been an honour to chat with you and to hear your story and to share it with all our uh, yeah fans and supporters. So thank you so much for your time. One, no worries, boys. Thank you. One question for you, mate. Now that you're living in Brizzy, yeah. um, we we do a, a bit of a fan uh, thing around uh, Magic Round. We have a bit of a, a fan get-together at the Lord Alfred Hotel before the Warriors play uh, Magic Round. Um, yeah. We're trying to get as many as the ex warriors that are in Brizzy uh, to come along to that. Would you be keen to in, show your face in, to that one, mate? In, yeah. count me in, send me a message, Legends. I'll be there. Beautiful. Absolutely, Thanks, we'll mate. get that happening. I'm never going to say no to a beer, boys. So let's just. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Thanks, appreciate your Thanks, time tonight. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Legends. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh. How entertaining was that? Oh. We got to get Georgie Gaddis on. <laughs> yeah, we mate. He um, was always a big fan. That was so, yeah. yeah. That um, yeah, that was a, a great chat. Uh, oh, it's, it's fantastic so, to hear the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because you get this preconceived thought in your head, and uh, you know, he he played three seasons at the Warriors, and you thought, okay, well, this this chat might take. An hour, two hours and fifteen minutes, and um, you know we're still chatting to him. It's yeah, it's uh, it was really good. It's really great to be able to connect to these guys, eh? Oh, it's it's an yeah. honour because yeah, you remember these guys playing for the club and you're watching them go around and wear the jersey, and 
yeah, it's just it's just fantastic to hear the stories and to bring the story to everyone else. And so much stuff comes out in these chats that we never knew. A lot of behind the scenes things. It's just it's just awesome. And, and I just yeah, go on. Yeah, I just want to say um, we're talking about his his the, the first try that he scored in that game against Newcastle. Yeah. So that game was was one of those seesawing games. It's a classic sort of Warriors match. And uh, I was living in China at the time, and obviously, you know, China, the rugby league capital of the world. Um, yeah. All I could do was follow it on the NRL website. And I just had to keep refreshing to get the score. <laughs> and, and it was, we were up like 26 something. And then every time I hit refresh, the score would change and Newcastle <laughs> would, would get closer and closer. And it was like 26, 22 for about the last 20 minutes. And I'm sitting there hitting refresh every second, you know, because being Warriors fans, you're, used to, you're just waiting yeah. for that Knights score to just change right at the end. And yeah, it's just one of those crazy moments. I always remember that game. Yeah, I, I remember he, he he played and scored in that game. So it's funny the memories that you have, you know. I um I'm appreciative of the fact that these guys uh, acknowledge and respect the amount of research we put into it too. Yeah, well, mate, you do you do a fantastic job of of getting that all together, and and you know we want to be prepared. And as as uh, as as our good mate Johnny said before, you know, good research leads to to better content. So Absolutely. yeah, we firmly believe in that. Absolutely. Let's get into a little bit of news before we uh, close off for the night. Um, a bit of sponsor news. Um, Wendy's and, and Mazda have continued their sponsorship uh, with the club. Um, there's been a, a couple of little videos on social media about it, but, uh, yeah, we just wanted to acknowledge that. Mazda will continue their lower back uh, jersey sponsorship, taking their sponsorship now to four seasons with the club. And uh, Wendy's will continue as a short sponsor uh, in what will be their 12th season as a kit sponsor and their 15th season as a club sponsor. So, um, you know, we thank them for their continued support of our uh, wonderful Warriors. Yeah, great to see these sponsors, um, yeah, sticking loyal, especially in these uncertain times here. So, yeah, good to have them yeah. on board again. Billy uh, Army kick out to the dogs. This is a bit controversial, wasn't it? Um, signed on the play the dogs for 2023 season he still has a year to run on his penrith contract and that leaked image of him in bulldogs gear and uh yeah a bit of a gus school master class um my boss at work is a panthers supporter and he was at that uh penrith fan day that they had on the weekend um and kick was booed relentlessly by the uh, wow penrith crowd um it's it's just too convenient that that image got out the week before or the days before that that big event. Um, but seriously, what's he thinking? To to get dressed in Bulldogs garb for a photo that couldn't be released due to his Penrith commitments? Why couldn't? He, why didn't he just say no? You know. Yeah, like, I, I, I know. It's probably probably Gus was a bit too persuasive for him or something. Oh, Who knows? But um, like, yeah, it's yeah. Who was the bloke? Who does some bloke from the club leaked? was responsible for the image one of the guys oh, that they the reckon it was on security cameras. The yeah, yeah it was about security cameras but yeah, interesting um pre-season's underway for the warriors mate uh up at red uh plenty of images being put on social media which has us all salivating over the new You're training gear. Uh, how good does the shirt look i love yeah. that training shirt yeah um I love the, the there was a little interview with new signing Aaron Penne. He was supposed to commence preseason training on the twenty seventh of November, so in a couple of days, but turned up on the eighth and has ripped in with his new teammates, just wanting to get 
uh, back, you know, back in in there and um, get to meet all great, his Great, great to see friends. that, isn't it? How good is yeah. that? Yeah. Um, saw that Lodgy and uh, Hectic, um, Dallin, Torhu, all back at training this week, which basically means that uh, Sean Johnson and Jack Murchie, the only two of the uh, current 30-man squad yet to join training. Uh, Johnson into his final days of uh, his two-week mandatory isolation. Yeah. And the Merch just started his on the weekend. So uh, he's got two weeks in isolation before he'll be into the training with the Warriors. Yeah, sweet. Look forward to that. And the la- the last bit of news, mate. Um, media support uh, reports suggest that uh, both Chanel Harris-Devita and Wade Egan are getting contract extensions. Um, and, and this has happened in the wake of Peter O'Sullivan leaving. Uh, one, one story broke in the New Zealand Herald, uh, which was the CHT one, which I give more credit to because they are a sponsor of the club. The other... Yep. Um, Wade Egan was broken by stuff. Stuff.co.nz, who are so far off the mark sometimes it's not funny. Yeah, um, yeah. But both players, it's believed, were told uh, that a decision on their contract uh, predicament wouldn't be made and, or considered until at least five or six rounds into the 2022 season. Um, but now, in the wake of O'Sullivan leading, Craig Hodges moving into that position, uh, the report is that they're trying to shore up uh, their roster for the next couple of seasons. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's no official word from the club or the players at this stage. No, uh, no, no, nothing official has come out yet. And it's just interesting that this, I guess you could say, change of heart from the club has come about post Peter O'Sullivan. Yeah. So, so it'd be interesting. They they did mention Craig Hodges was perhaps the guy that that they were dealing with, and yep. And, and the story this morning indicated that it was just a matter of time before an offer was was being made. For, to Wade Egan, um, so I yeah I don't know like um, it's in, it's an interesting one because I don't I'd hate to think I said this to you today I'd hate to think that the club was doing it as like a knee jerk reaction to Peter yeah. Sullivan not being there I'd hate to think that they're just going oh we've lost our recruitment guy or oh, we better start offering these guys some contracts just so they don't get poached from under our noses so yeah exactly yeah. I hope it's. I hope it's. It's been. I'm sure it's been more of a calculated, um, strategic move. Anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not upset at either of those two guys yeah. signing. Though, no, like you know, we've, we've spoken in the past that you know, CHD has been quite patient at the Warriors. He's, you know, he was, um, he was overlooked for Adam Kieran at the beginning of the 2019 yeah. season, and uh, then they bought in uh, Cody. Uh, this year they bought Chad Townsend in. Uh, they brought Blake Green in, so he's kind of kept being pushed back. Um, now with Johnson coming there, you know it looks like he may get that gig at, at number six, and uh, that'd be you know a good thing for him. Yeah, he probably uh, deserves and- the first shot, as you said. He's yeah, yeah. And he's been around. He's been around the traps for a while, so yeah, it'd be good to see him get the first shot. And, and Wade Egan, I thought had a, had a good season uh, this year before he got injured. Uh, was yeah. you know one of our best defenders in the middle. Was playing eighty minutes at hooker. Uh, we got young Otacolo on the in the contract um, squad now, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for those guys. I'm hoping that we can have like a bit of a bit of a you know a uh, thunder and lightning kind of combo there. So you got you got um, Wade Egan being a solid defender starting, and then you have you have the dynamic you know Otacolo, the running game of Otacolo coming off the bench, and they sort of like complementing each other. 
Otakolo's supposed to have massive wraps on him to the point yeah. that it could be the Warriors version of Harry Grant. Um, mm-hmm. So if true, um, you know, he's got a massive future ahead of him and, uh, you know, someone like Wade Egan will teach him. He'll be a good foil for him in that um, teaching him the the uh, the game management side of things. So long as he yeah. doesn't teach him his no-look pass. <laughs> please. Please yeah. not. <laughs> uh, mate, yeah, we got we got a couple of awesome chats to take us out, see us out for the year. So yep. um next week, Wednesday, first of December, we've got a chat with Mark Oro, uh former warrior, played for the club in ninety six, ninety seven, also played for the Eels and Western Suburbs. Yep. And uh as Kiwi International. And he's yep. involved in uh I think the you said he was involved. Moldy stuff, yeah. Pathways pathways. Yeah. 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 So it'd be great to have a chat with him. And yep. um it's hear about, you know, obviously hear about his career and what he's up to now. And uh Ivan Cleary, that's will be a big one. Uh December eight, last show of the year. Ivan Cleary um coming on to talk all things obviously through his distinguished career as a player and a coach, premiership winning coach now, but um Obviously, one of our favourite sons here at the Warriors as both player and coach. Absolutely. Definitely excited for those. That Ivan Cleary one is going to be probably in the realms of a Steve Price chat. We've got so much to talk to him about, um, both, you know, playing and coaching for the Warriors and, you know, his coaching career, uh, hitting the, the ultimate heights this season with that oh, premiership yeah. win. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Phillips has just popped in with a – don't know if you have said this or not, but I hear Kevin Locke on a trial and train contract. Is this true? Have not uh, heard anything I, about – I think this is just one of those posts on social media where someone said, oh, Kevin Locke's still looking for a gig, and and they said, oh, why don't we give him a train trial? I think that it just sort of took off from there. I don't yeah, no. I don't think there's any substance to that. Kevin Locke has had his, had his time at the club um, – Obviously, some great memories of him as a player, but he's he's getting on a little bit now, so he'd be into his thirties. And absolutely, um, I think that ship might have sailed. Yeah, outside back. I mean, Craig Hodges did say we're looking for possibly two more outside backs to add to the uh, contract, but I don't think he'd be one of them. No, I don't think so. Um, before we go, uh, just a reminder: as we mentioned at the in the show opener, uh, we are now on Patreon, which is a membership platform that enables our followers that is you guys to show your support uh for us and the content uh we produce by signing up for a monthly subscription uh patreon supports multiple tier levels to suit all budgets and each tier level have has its own rewards and benefits uh but for now we just have our basic bronze tier up and running yeah that's right and you can enter our patreon page to show your support and subscribe to our bronze tier, which is set at the lowest amount possible, just $3 a month, which is next to nothing. Uh, the link is there on your screen at the moment. And we also partner with Toria Screen Print to reduce a range of merchandise. Uh, for us, <laughs> that's it, as, as modeled by Mark. Yeah. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be available soon. We're looking at um, early to mid next year at, at getting some of that merchandise made up. And it will be exclusive Patreon-only merchandise, and that's for our silver, gold, platinum, and diamond-level Patreon tiers that we'll probably be looking at releasing next year, yep. early next year. 
And this exclusive Patreon merchandise won't be for sale and it will be only available to our Patreon subscribers. That's right. And we'd just like to thank uh, those who have subscribed to our Bronze Tier Patreon program so far. Uh, and those people are Daniel Delore, Peregrine Falconer, Sean Kurzweil, um, The Kirch, Nick McKercher, uh, Mary Carter, Fabian Moroa, Siala Afamasanga, Stevie Williams, Alf Tualave, our good mate TK Harris, uh, Ted Clark, uh, Inamete, Lisa Marie Bateman, Ken Wills, Nigel Phillips, and Kane Fraser. We thank you guys very, very much. Thanks so much, guys. We can't do it without your support, and we, we appreciate each and every one of you. And um, don't forget, if you do, if you have missed any of our shows, you can catch up on our Facebook page. You go to the videos section. Or you can go to our YouTube channel and catch up there. Um, the easiest way to find our videos is head to our link tree, um, which is on your screen now, the link for our link tree there. And that has a special section where you can look at all our live guest interviews and special presentations that we've done. And on our YouTube channel, please don't forget to hit subscribe and for our YouTube channel, or and you'll never miss any of our um, streamed content or any other videos and things that we'll put up. And, yeah, it doesn't cost a thing. Absolutely free. So it's a good way to support us as well. It is. Uh, it's also free um, if you're a podcast fan. Uh, you can catch all our episodes on our podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Radio Direct, iHeartRadio. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us there. Uh, we upload episodes uh, so they're ready to listen to every Thursday morning. So this episode from tonight will be there uh, probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, which will be when I'm on my way to work, unfortunately. <laughs> um, please head to our Ruin Hammer Instagram page too where we upload daily content to uh, for all our followers to keep them informed of our upcoming events, uh, Warriors news, player movements, and all other Warriors-related content. Yeah, well, mate, that's it for another show. Uh, we... we like to say another thanks to warrior number 127 grant Ravelli, for giving up his time and coming on to have a chat with us we really enjoyed that hope all you guys enjoyed it watching um on facebook youtube and listening through podcast and thanks so much to everyone for your continued support for ruin hammer it is greatly appreciated by us we can't do it without you guys absolutely it is it was another great episode uh as rob said thanks to grant Ravelli uh, for coming on and having a a chat with us uh thank you to everyone that tunes in and, and watches us um thank you to you mate uh for joining me tonight and, and um just a quick shout out again to my good mate juan carlos who's who's in the hospital there and uh had did tune in tonight to to watch us uh we love you mate and hope you're feeling better yeah get well soon mate yeah, yeah. take it easy go the warriors cheers guys go the warriors